We are like officially back from vacation. We're back, we're rested, we're rejuvenated, and we are really excited for this season. Yeah, and it's also the first like three-year anniversary. Like this week, we started right when we got back from vacation. It feels like a rebirth. It feels like a time for resetting. And we are doing some incredible women this season. (laughs) I'm really excited because these are a lot of people who like will bring them up. Yep. And then we're like, oh, we should get to them later. We'll mix it in. (laughs) They're too famous. That's what everybody expects us to do. Exactly. And it was really nice that we got to re-release an old episode this week because I was listening back on it today and I was like, the podcast has changed a bit. <laughs> we're so different from how we were. We really are. And like, it wasn't like too different where I like was like, I don't even recognize this, but it was like, just, I feel like we're getting better and more polished and, um, or maybe we're exactly the same. I don't know. Um, well, back, back that episode 19, that was like the beginning of season two and yeah. we just were just still winging it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we were still upstairs at your old house uh-huh. so we were upstairs at the old house then the basement and then here at your new house it was like 2018 like it was 2019 we yeah isn't that crazy because we started in 2018 yeah mm-hmm. august of and that released 19 weeks later yeah whatever <sighs> bananas um but we're not here to talk about ourselves no we're here to talk about history on the rocks this is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but keep in mind we are drinking the entire time <laughs> and we're not historians even 10 seasons later even we're 10 seasons not later. historians no one is giving us any extra degrees no they're not they should they pr- probably i should i, I mean you have honorary. plenty uh, yeah uh, but i would take an honorary <laughs> degree from literally anywhere ccbc send, send on one over, over. please um, <laughs> honorary associates do they do that <laughs> i would love that i have an ha because um, <laughs> it would be a joke um so yeah we're doing something fun this week we're doing something fun this week we are not doing two ladies we are doing one and splitting her life in half because it's so long so long i mean it's still going my <laughs> yeah. goodness we're gonna need to make like an addendum to this the episode story probably, like, of her life next week <laughs> seriously <laughs> it just keeps going the energizer bunny queen elizabeth ii herself her majesty her, her royal highness yes that is the official her royal highness is the rhr yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. um so we're really excited and just in case you don't live in England um we feel like while we're telling her story you if you don't know what she looks like you know you might want a picture of her in your head no you're you have buried yourself <laughs> under a rock I did if I you don't know what Queen Elizabeth looks I like I mean <laughs> come on um but we figured since we're doing half of her life I'm gonna describe what she looks like in her earlier years and Allie is gonna take it from now um so <laughs> we're gonna get a little physical physical, physical. Allie no actually i should go first which is weird because you we, always go we first could, we could do it weird <laughs> i could go first yeah, I think it matters. i'll go first let's okay. do it weird you go first okay. what does she look like now <laughs> <laughs> queen elizabeth the second presently has a neat head of permed white hair most likely a wig 
I'm assuming. Um, she's now in her 90s and is dealing with a great bit of stress throughout her life. So she definitely has some stress lines and then also just like 90-year-old lines. Mm-hmm. Um, she has these piercing eyes, though. They've mm-hmm. always been very Windsorly mm-hmm. <laughs> piercing. Um, most importantly, in public, she, especially now, always wears these solid color power suits so yeah. that people say that they saw her that's the point of the solid suit oh, so they can say i saw queen elizabeth if she's in like a bright blue suit it's easy to see her from far away yeah so you can say hey i saw the queen oh, that's fascinating i saw the queen once i know i think it was in her 2002 visit to uh, America. 2002 no, that, that wasn't was? right. No, it was um I was in eighth grade, so it was two thousand and eight. I was trying to guess when it was because I was marking a few times. Yeah. <laughs> she was coming through the United States. I was like, it's gotta be around here. It was like the centennial or something like that of the Mayflower coming over or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Something to do with Jamestown because that's where she was. Yeah, <laughs> she was in Colonial like... Williamsburg. Okay, okay. <laughs> um so who are you doing? Okay. <laughs> so I am doing QE two the early years. Um so she is 5'4". Fun fact, the same height as Charles Manson. They're the same height. I'm 5'4". Would you call me the same height as Charles Manson? Yes, because that's how tall he was. And Queen Elizabeth II? Wow, the company I keep. Yep, you're in good hands. Um, Or terrible hands, depending. um, In her younger years, she can be seen with dark permed hair. (laughs) Wow. kind of gone white. Wow. Change her to look a bit. <laughs> she has a bright smile, blue eyes, and she was always dressed, especially in like the 50s through the 70s, and like very like chic clothing. Um, so in kind of like the 50s and 60s, she was like really trying to keep up with the current fashions, um, especially like the hats. Like she had a lot of really interesting hats. <laughs> um, but it was also trying to keep a prim and proper look. So she definitely had a lot more like patterns and stuff in those days. Um, but always finishing it off with a purse and some kind of white gloves. The white gloves are very important. I feel like you're not allowed to touch touch her. (laughs) Um, Can't touch the people. Um, But when she wasn't in her, you know, prim and proper uniform, she could be seen in her riding uniform. She loves to ride horses or a simple tweed skirt and a hair scarf when she was about the country. Which was at Balmoral. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, and when she was a kid, it was just a lot of like, what you would think like her and Margaret were always dressed similar, just in like these very cute little Royal outfits. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and again, she's had the same haircut since she was born. So Uh, literally, literally same haircut. It's wild. Has her hair ever touched her shoulders? You know who it's like my aunt Patsy, same haircut since birth. Absolutely. Um, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. but also I, I can't like one thing that sticks out in my mind about Queen Elizabeth not being touched. Did you read Becoming Mm-mm. Michelle Obama? There's a moment when like they're at a party together and it's just like late at night and like Michelle's tired. She can tell the Queen's tired and like Michelle just kind of like goes over and like puts an arm around her, like sovereign to sovereign type thing. Oh my and gosh. 
people were like, did the beef eaters descend? They're like, you don't touch the queen. Like, nobody touches the queen. And she was like, okay, well, I was just looking at her as like a tired person and trying to right. comfort her in this moment. She's fucking 90 years old. Didn't Maybe know. she needed a hand. Didn't know um, I wasn't supposed <laughs> to ever touch this person. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Crazy, so right? Very crazy. <laughs> Poor Michelle. <laughs> well, should we get into our first cocktail in the first half of her life? I, yes, you, I mean, to be fair, you did like three fourths of the heavy lifting <laughs> this week. You took the hard half. Um, yeah, it was like, maybe we like put the middle line at the wrong place. I think we did. But no, but I think it gives like a nice, like solid middle. Like I, I think, no, I think it was in the right place. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> truly. Um, all right. What mine is ends on a cliffhanger then? <laughs> Um, so I named this cocktail Fizz for a Queen as a play on words from like Fit for a Queen. Love it. Um, you can also call this cocktail British as fuck or <laughs> British AF. Um, so it is two ounces of cucumber Smells infused like gin. <laughs> I infused this gin by yourself, um, by myself. Wow. Um, an ounce of Earl Grey simple syrup, which I also made a splash of lime juice with elderflower tonic. Ooh. <laughs> so, so pretty. British. Cheers. really good very refreshing <laughs> i was really concerned because the last time we did a cucumber cocktail for professor mcgonagall it tasted like donkey shit katie <laughs> ali i almost didn't do it because that cocktail was so bad the gilly this. water <laughs> the, uh, listen i googled it that was bananas it was um, the worst thing i've ever tasted i think in my life i almost kind of went that route because i feel like it had like coconut water in it and i almost made so i almost modeled this cocktail after a cucumber sandwich and i was like oh i get the cucumber and then i'll put like coconut milk in there and i was like i'm being crazy stop um i need to stop <laughs> so i was like you know what it'll be like afternoon tea cucumber earl gray um i garnished it with a cucumber wheel and a sprig of delicious lavender perfect this is the first time we've both woo. made drinks for the same person i know i was really curious as to what you were gonna I make i mean of course i'm using gin i know <laughs> i almost didn't it's but then so i was British. like what else, what else are you gonna use literally yeah. what else are you gonna use i'm excited miss krista you have to make two drinks for the same person this week get in on it so buckle up mm. um so what do you know about her early life if you want to answer this question. Well, I've seen The Crown. Okay. <laughs> um, and every other movie, The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. Um, longtime listeners know that I'm, I'm a huge um, Princess Diana of Wales fan. Mm-hmm. So that kind of rubs me the wrong way towards the royal family, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, been to England a couple times. She wasn't supposed to be queen until mm-hmm. her uncle abdicated and then she's been queen since about 74 AD yep. uh, and is still currently the queen. Here but we go. I won't spoil your story. Okay, don't spoil my story. Because, of course, we had to use a lot of the same source material this week. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's funny because I, like, watched – I've only seen the first two and a half seasons of The Crown. Which I'm, I know I'm backed the fuck up. I'm like Katie. so constipated with the crown. It's unbelievable. You have a stomachache um, currently <laughs> because of it. Because I could, it was one of those things I could kind of, I was kind of getting the feeling that fiance wasn't super into it. Oh, he'll get more you know, into it. It gets like, better. 
you know, I don't know. So I think he'll like the Princess Diana series, but we were like in like the Aberforth or whatever, or like Abervan, yeah, like episodes, and it was like getting so sad. Um, well, it doesn't get happier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so I decided to like not revisit the crown because, you know, obviously it's like a big dramatization. I didn't want it to cloud yeah. my stuff too much, especially with the early years. Yeah. Did you see the pictures um, of Umbridge playing her? Uh, yeah, I did. <gasps> yes, I did. Perfect. Okay. What a perfect casting. Yeah, um, seriously. Yeah. And so I used um, the British royal documentary, Our Queen, <laughs> and a timeline documentary. Um, so it's kind of nice because with the British royal documentary... It literally was like two episodes that were an hour and a half long each, and it like ended with like where we ended it, the eighties. And I was like, "Oh, perfect! perfect. I can stop here. I'm done." (laughs) All right. So, and also, I just want to point out too that while we're doing this story, it's a little bit difficult to do Queen Elizabeth II because she's a very private person, doesn't give doesn't give interviews. Um, so a lot of this is also just going to sound like the history of like the people around her and the world. Um, so just keep that in mind because like she's a very private person. So like a lot of this is just broader than it usually is. And I mean, she's also like the lighthouse of the world. Absolutely. Like she's just like sitting there on her Island rock and yeah, like literally the whole world is revolving around her yep. <laughs> and it's just happening somehow. Okay. I think everybody's ready. We're everybody's ready. ready. I'm button. Where are my buttons? Okay. Wow. Katie, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Elizabeth Alexandra, which is great because it's our two names. What um, a great middle name. <laughs> I know. Mary Windsor was born on April 21st, 1926 at her maternal grandfather's house in London to the Duke and Duchess of York. But fun fact, her birthday is always celebrated in June, which has been a long-standing tradition in England. <laughs> Apparently, it was started, like, years and years ago because the weather is much nicer in June. So, they just were like, we're going to celebrate any, like, reigning monarch's birthday in June. <laughs> what kid didn't want a summer birthday? Literally. Like, a pool party. Yeah, they're just like, we can bypass this. Um, <laughs> at the time of her birth, King George Also, the, the weather fifth... is shit there. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're like, June's our only, like, decent month. The Cullens so, probably live there. Like, and we <laughs> love a garden party. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> at the time of her birth, King George V was the King of England, so that's Elizabeth's grandfather, and she affectionately called him Grandpa England, because, like, <laughs> what the fuck else do you call your grandfather when he is indeed the King of England? Damn. And to her family, Elizabeth was known as Lilibet. The story goes that she couldn't pronounce Elizabeth, so when she was young, it came out sounding like Lilibet, and the name stuck. And now the name is forever memorialized because Meghan and Harry named their daughter Lilibet Diana. Named it her nickname. That's adorable. I didn't know that. I did not know that either. And I think it's really sweet because Lilibet is the name that her family calls her. You know what I'm saying? So I think it was kind of his message of like, I know that like she's the queen of England and there's like fucked up stuff around her. But But like she's my grandma. She's my fucking grandma. So like, yeah. Back down, world. Back down. I also <laughs> love the name uh, Lilibet because it's not Lilibet's like a real cute. name. Like, it's <laughs> cute. I feel like all names start as not real names. Yeah, true. And maybe it is a real name and I'm being an asshole. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, not, Katie. <laughs> her younger sister, Margaret, was mm. born a few years later in 1930. And together they lived just a mile, but seemingly a whole world away from Buckingham Palace. Sorry, we've just been charged by the royal corgis. 
the corgis. Like seven corgis in a one. They're here. Um, and since she is like a mile away from Buckingham Palace, her early years were absolutely magical. Since her father was simply a prince, <laughs> simply a prince, uh, he really didn't have much work to do. <laughs> and this little family could spend as much time together as they pleased. They even refer to themselves as we four or us four because that's who it was for the most part because they are still relatively isolated because they're royal. I mean, it's the heir and the spare. Yeah. The spare kid gets the life. Gets the life that you want. That you Exactly. And most historians say that they were never happier when they were just all four together, this like little family unit. Uh, she um, same. <laughs> same. Excuse me, same. Um, she didn't go to formal school, but she was educated at home by her governess, Marion Crawford, um, who they called Crawfy. <laughs> My God, um, with the nicknames. Mm-hmm, they love them. Um, who would later write like a tell-all book, like, <gasps> called, like My Time with the Princesses, and she was like sued for it. <laughs> Damn. I know. Crawfy. Crawfy clap back. Um, so, <laughs> um, and from what I gathered, it actually probably would have benefited Elizabeth a lot, like going to normal school, because even though she was a very happy child, she was really, really shy. Um, like the idea of entering a large crowded room was a really daunting task for her, which couldn't have been more different than Margaret. Margaret is brash and outgoing and funny like elizabeth's funny too but like in kind of a held back way and uh, it's like elizabeth is witty yes exactly and margaret is like the limelight (laughs) she wants the limelight she does she absolutely does and it was also like kind of made margaret like the favorite of the dad you know even though she was her sister um and helena bottom carter just ah, kills it kills it um so her mother told elizabeth she was like When you walk into a room, I want you to do something. She was like, don't go to one side or the other. She was like, when you enter a room, cut the room in half, walk straight down the middle and just act like you're supposed to be anywhere and everywhere. Like you belong. And that's what she does even like now today. Like she commands the room. But her mom told her that before she was even meant to be queen. I know. What a solid piece of advice. Solid piece of advice. Cut the room in half, make everybody see you. Exactly. And then figure out what the hell's happening. Cross that damn dance floor. (laughs) Create a Um, dam. Exactly. On the dance floor. (laughs) But she was also like really dedicated to her studies. So again, Margaret was kind of the wild child and Elizabeth was the sensible one. Uh, People described her as a jolly little girl, but fundamentally sensible and (laughs) well-behaved. which is also a name I thought about naming the cocktail fundamentally sensible. (laughs) I don't Um, think anyone's ever described me as that. No, not one. The year 1936, however, would bring a lot of change into her life. On January 20th, 1936, Grandpa England, King George V, passed away, and her uncle became the King of England. And by the end of that year, the world would be shocked to learn that Edward had fallen in love with an American divorcee from Baltimore named Wallace Simpson. Bra, 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 bra. We love her. Uh, <laughs> check out our episode on her. Also, the world would be so fucked up if it wasn't for her. Yeah. Honestly. Um, Everything would be different. The it, whole the whole British monarchy, World War II, shit would have been I'm going to say it again because the whole thing is like he would end up abdicating the throne in order to marry her. But what people don't remember is that he had Nazi ties. Yeah. So we, England probably would have sided with Germany in the war. Yeah. 
or like maybe not prob. I don't know, but it's a po- high possibility that they would have sided with or them. at least have been sympathizers. Yeah, exactly. Which is not a good look because nope. they're the worst. So, you know, I like to say Wallace Simpson saved the world. Um, he made the announcement on December 11th, 1936. Elizabeth was 10 years old, double digits, just like this season. Um, <laughs> and my children. <laughs> and she had just gotten home from her swimming lessons and was dutifully writing her notes from her swimming lessons. What? I don't know what kind of notes you have to write down from swimming lessons. I would fucking love to know. Breaststroke. Um, <laughs> Backstroke. Make sure the arms go over your head. Only um, breathe when your head's to the side, not <laughs> under the water. Don't forget your goggles. Um, <laughs> um, so she's writing on her swimming notes and she hears a great commotion in the house. And when she asks what's going on, this footman is like, well, your uncle has abdicated the throne and your father is the king. And now you're the next in line for the throne. Yeah. And Margaret like turns to Elizabeth and she goes, does that mean you'll be queen one day? And she was like, yes, it does. And Margaret said, oh, poor you. Like, <laughs> literally from that little tiny age, they knew how bad what, it is. How, what, how bad it is. It's so terrible. She learns that she is one day going to be the Queen of England and she goes back, finishes her swimming notes because that was what she was supposed to do that day. I mean, heavy is the pen that writes the swimming notes. Really? And she <laughs> simply wrote abdication day at the top of her notes. That's all she wrote. Wow. Can you imagine being 10 years old? And like some kids, they're born into it. And it's like, yeah. you're going to be king or queen. Mm-hmm. She was 10 when like all of a sudden she probably went from being like 35th in line for the throne to and probably not even that maybe 18 she was like fourth no way <laughs> yeah. right because edward didn't have any kids oh so right. it would have gone edward brother her dad and then her oh, so okay. she was like really close but like you know like they call it like the heir apparent and the heir presumptive like, right it was like there's no way. And also, like, a lot of people, I think, also probably thought that her dad was going to have more kids and maybe have a son. Or maybe then her, would have knocked her out of the running. Or if her uncle got married and had kids, yeah, then exactly. she's even farther down. Exactly. So, until now, the chances of her being the queen were pretty slim. And uh, she finds this out, and she just did exactly what she was supposed to do. She kept calm and she carried on, but she was absolutely terrified. She knew the stress of the crown, knew that her father was not really well enough to handle it and knew that she really didn't want to do it. And there were a lot of like little changes that had to happen, you know, like the, the governess, you know, was like, when your father comes home now, you can't just run up and hug him. You have to present yourself and curtsy before him because he's not your dad anymore. He's the King of England, which is funny because he also didn't realize that that had to change. So like people are telling his daughters these rules and then he sees his girls and they are frozen in front of him and they just kind of curtsy. And he was like, I didn't want you to do that. Yeah, I you wanted know? you to say hi, I, welcome home from yeah, work. Yeah, I want you to say hi and come up and hug me and love me and, like, cuddle with me. And he was just like, I don't like you acting formal around me. So 
you know, and I just think it made him sad. So he was like, look, you guys don't have to do that. We can still hug. And then apparently they like snuggled. <laughs> That's so cute. But it's like, I mean, you can't even, you can't turn your back on a monarch. You have yeah. to like back out of the room. Yeah. There are all these rules, but thankfully, like, I mean, her dad obviously didn't want this job either. So I think he was like, look, you don't have to follow these asinine rules for me. <laughs> Um, and then the real big thing was they had to move to Buckingham Palace, which their governess described as like camping in a museum. She's like, it's a beautiful, historic place, but it's cold and not comfortable. And it's filled with offices and like random people. Like, yeah, it's like living in the White House. It is. Yeah. It's like. Or like the Smithsonian. She's like, it doesn't ever feels like your own, you know? Also, though, I thought she moved to Buckingham Palace once she got married. So did she lived there as a kid as well? Yeah, because her whole family had to live there oh, because it was her dad was the king. So like they weren't going to not bring the kids. Yeah, I thought they like but, lived at Windsor and then moved there. Oh, we're going to get to that. Oh, okay, and then vice versa. I, I knew there's some sort yes. of like weird thing that happened with the movement. Yeah. Um, so she also started a new education. So Queen Mary, the queen mother, her grandmother insisted on her attending Eton College to study with this guy, Henry Martin, uh, because he's like this super smart guy. And she's like, not only is he going to teach you everything you need to know, because like she had a governess education at that point. It really wasn't up to par with like where like some other kids were at her time. And like, if you're going to be the fucking queen of the world. Yeah. You have to know some shit yeah. like so like where uh, countries are. Exactly. <laughs> so they some um, she was already like I think flu- she had a lot of French tutors. So she spoke French, but they studied history and politics and the detailed ins and outs of the Constitution. But most of all, he instilled in her two things. Number one, the importance of political neutrality, because he was like, look, let's face the facts. You're going to be queen one day. And. When you are queen, you are the queen for all people. You are not a politician, so you Mm. cannot take sides. And he just, like, drilled that into her head. He's like, you know, we're learning about politics. You have to understand it, but you cannot comment on it. You have to be neutral. And he also, just like a weird turn, he taught her the importance of broadcasting. (laughs) He said, you should always be talking directly to the people when you can. They want to hear from you. So get your voice out there. Not just like, you know, oh, like I put it in the paper like Queen Elizabeth says. He's like, no, they want to hear your voice. They want to hear you. They want to feel like you're talking to them, which we will see later on that she like really excelled at the radio broadcasting. Um, So she's doing this. She's really prepping for this future role she's going to have. But they also wanted to hone her interpersonal skills and They wanted her to learn how to be a leader. So they organized like a Royal Girl Scouts kind of thing called the Girl Guide. So the Girl Guide had been around in England since 1909. But of course, they couldn't just like send her to the local church to like go for Girl Scout meetings. (laughs) So they formed a guard within Buckingham Palace. And it was like all of her like like friends and like all the other like duchesses and whatever, like just all the people that like she was like allowed to be friends with (laughs) right so they're the people who have had their background checks exactly so 
Uh, so she is kind of learning leadership skills and also learning how to let other people take the lead. Like, so she wasn't her troop leader. Apparently she let like her older cousin take that role. She's like, Oh no, like you'd be better at doing this. And like, I'll take on this role, you know, like, so she's kind of learning how power dynamics work. She was also a sea ranger. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Um, but no amount of childhood military training, (laughs) could prepare the family for September 1939 when they entered the Second World War. And as we know, England was an absolute war zone. There were blackouts and bombings and constant threats of danger, and all sorts of advisors were telling the king and queen to get their daughters out of the country. They were like, send the girls to Canada so they'll be safe. You know, we just need to get them out of here. And they refused. Lion the witch in the wardrobe, those yeah, kids. exactly. Get them to their uncle professor's house. Absolutely. But Elizabeth's mother, I mean, and the king, they refused. She said, the children won't go without me. I won't leave the king, and the king will never leave England. Mm. But after Buckingham Palace had indeed been bombed, they did send the girls to Windsor Castle. So that's why they were there. Windsor! (laughs) I've been to Windsor. And she said it was like a really confusing and difficult time because they were like, kind of like, okay, like pack your bags for the weekend. So she was like, we packed our bags for the weekend and we stayed for five years. And also, like, Windsor's really interesting because it's like, so, like, Buckingham Palace is like the White House in the sense that it's, like, it's a museum and an office building, and then you kind of live in a couple rooms. But Windsor is legitimately a castle, Mm -hmm. legitimately a museum that people can walk through to be like, oh, where did King so-and-so used to sleep? Right. And then there's also, like, the private quarters, but it's a castle. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a medieval castle. You're living in a ca- <laughs> like a real life castle. Yeah, exactly. It's really strange. So, uh, so yeah, so they're there for the duration of the war. Um, but the girls helped out in any way they could. And in fact, Elizabeth made her first radio broadcast when she was 14 years old, and she spoke to the children of England, the ones that had been you know, line the witch in the wardrobe. <laughs> right. The ones that had been sent away from their homes and displaced and fucking she, Edmund. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. Um, God, be a better sibling, Edmund. <laughs> I don't care about your Turkish delight. <laughs> um, which is, as I've said on here before, the worst treat ever. Not a good it treat. It tastes so bad. We're going to offend all the Brits with this I'm one. I'm so <laughs> sorry, but it's horrible. No, this whole episode, not just the Turkish story. Yeah, all yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, we don't, we're Americans. We're dumb. We're sorry. <laughs> um but she basically spoke to them and she was like look like we're all trying to do the best like the best we can to help our gallant soldiers and sailors and airmen and we're also bearing our own share of the danger and sadness of war and she said we know every one of every one of us that in the end all will be well and she's just like giving this word of hope to all the kids out there that's like look like i'm also not in my house I'm also away from, like, a lot of my family, and I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. Yo, do you think that's where J.K. Rowling got the last line for her Harry Potter book, All Was Well? Maybe. Shit. Maybe. She's British. She's another she British, British lady. She's also British AF. <laughs> um, She's, like, super British. <laughs> it was really uplifting to the people of England just to, like, hear the young princess, you know, the fucking heir presumptive, you know. Or heir apparent. Uh, she was still presumptive okay. at this point because they could have another boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 
the thing is, though, it was especially meaningful to the people of America because they also heard this broadcast. And some credit this broadcast in inching America closer to entering the war because they hadn't really heard of it or like thought of it in terms of the children of England. And they were like, mm. oh, fuck. Like, there's babies. There's babies being affected by this bullshit. Um, and it really made Elizabeth realize just how important her voice was. And she also walked the walk of standing with the children of England. Her and her sister got the same war rations as everyone else. Like, they got their coupons for food and fabric, and that's what they used. Like, I think they had a couple gardens at the grounds that they were able to get, like, a little extra food from. But, like, they couldn't their buy any gardens. extra yeah, their victory garden. Um, <laughs> pre-victory gardens. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but they couldn't, like they didn't have access to like anything they wanted anymore. Like it was wartime. So she learned a lot of frugality during these times. Um, and then as she grew older, she decided that she really wanted to get more involved. So she became a Colonel of the Grenadier guards. And just before her 18th birthday, parliament changed the law. So she could act as one of the five counselors of state in her, in case of like her father's incapacity or absence abroad. So, like, in July 1944, he went to visit Italy, and she was technically in charge when she While was, he was like gone. 18. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a teenager right yeah. now during the war. Yeah, absolutely. And then when she gets a little bit older, in February 1945, she is appointed as an honorary second subaltern in the Auxiliary Territorial Service. She trained as a driver and a mechanic, and she was given the rank of honorary junior commander which was the fem- female equivalent of captain at the time. So she really is, like, doing a lot of work. And then on May 8th, 1945, victory is declared and the war is officially over. Margaret and, Is- and Elizabeth run out of the castle and into the streets to celebrate with the people of England. That's so funny. That's how my grandmother described it. Yeah, or still describes it. She's still alive. But she remembers, like, they all got like bus they all just jumped on the bus and went to downtown baltimore and just everybody was like just like shouting in the streets so happy like this was huge i mean like everybody's fathers and brothers and yeah. like, uncle they were all gone cousins yeah and i mean they're like we were a little scared of being recognized but overall it was just like they're like we were so happy like we were allowed to do that because celebrating with the people of england was so important in that moment of like we felt like every other citizen at that point right you know and like they're like oh we're pretty happy we didn't get recognized because that would have been kind of crazy but yeah. i think everyone was just literally so blinded with happiness that they weren't worried about the pop yeah <laughs> <laughs> but of course after war comes love and it kind of comes to light that throughout the war elizabeth has had a correspondence with a young man prince philip mountbatten of greece and denmark <laughs> Hello. So, since they were both royal they had like been around each other Played by weddings. Matt Smith originally <laughs> and also he was doctor who so mm-hmm. i love him very good person <laughs> i hope nothing scandalous comes about him comes out about him soon oh um, about matt smith yeah <laughs> oh yeah i also hope that that's the case <laughs> i also hope that Um, But when she was 13 years old in July 1939, they had really, like, officially met at the Royal Naval College in Dartmouth, and she said she fell in love with him, and they began to exchange letters. 
and he was 18 at the time so it's like a little like mm, creepy, creepy creepy i don't like i don't love that um but <laughs> but i mean if she's like next in line for the throne i can see vying for it right yeah, like being exactly. like okay she's like kind of cute it at 13 the 30s she'll at this probably point. be banging okay, when sure. she's a little older it's about to go to war it's fine um <laughs> <laughs> no it's not it's never um, fine <laughs> statutory never fine. relationships are never um, fine <laughs> they're just doing letters now right letters, um letters. and although he was tall and blonde and an official prince the royal family was not super keen on the pairing um and not because they were second cousins once removed on one side and third cousins on the other side so like triple cousins the roosevelt's Um, had the same last name (laughs) and they were the president of america at that point so whatever so whatever whatever um (laughs) but his upbringing was fairly tumultuous his family had been exiled from greece three out of four of his brother-in-laws were members of the nazi party his father was a nazi and a playboy i remember people being Uh, like he's too german he's way too german and like for for to be coming out of world war ii and for you to be in love with this guy yeah it was not okay um, you know, there like his mother had been sent to like an insane asylum. He had no financial standing, just like not the squeaky clean kind of prince that the royal family was hoping would be married to the queen. So not Prince Charming. <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay. Um, like Prince M.K. Um, <laughs> prince Wooloon. <laughs> In fact, Queen Elizabeth. Her mother, so Queen Elizabeth the First, already had some other suitors in mind. Wait, no, no, no. Her mother's Queen Mary, right? No, Queen Mary's the Queen Mother, her grandmother. But Queen Elizabeth the First is like long since dead, right? Oh, I don't know. All I know is her mother is her also mother's Elizabeth. name is Elizabeth, Elizabeth, but she was never queen because no. she's not in the bloodline. Yeah. She's still the Queen Mother Elizabeth. The queen Mother. Yeah, the Queen Mother Elizabeth. Yeah, because Queen Elizabeth the First is the Virgin Queen. That is what yes. Virginia is named after. Yes. I'm just trying to make sure we don't get any emails. <laughs> I can't with all these titles. Elizabeth's mother's um, name is Elizabeth, yes. <laughs> and she's the queen mother, but is not Queen Elizabeth the first. <laughs> to clarify, God, shouldn't he have just she have just like changed her name to like Queen Joanna? Well, they asked her. They did. They, yeah, they she were was like, like, "What's wrong with my name?" They were like, "What do you want to go like by?" And she was like, "Well, Elizabeth, duh." Oh. They're like, "Do you want to go by Mary? Do you want to be like Anne?" There's like, like three names here. Yeah, there are three names. She's like, can, can I have from. my one? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to be Victoria the Second? That like, would have uh, been fucking I'm not cool. A psycho. The two longest reigning queens. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool if she was Victoria the Second. But Elizabeth the One was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. So her mom already had some other suitors in mind, members of the British aristocracy. And she was literally like doing that thing where she was like holding balls and doing this stereotypical thing of pushing all these other men who deemed she deemed more fit under her daughter. What do you mean by holding balls? Like actually holding the balls of these men and like like ha- like, like lassoing them. <laughs> right? Okay, got uh, it. Got it. I was really confused. I was thinking of that event in the Olympics, the hammer throw. Okay, perfect. The, the yeah, I was thinking about David and Goliath. Um, that too. Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth has made up her mind because she had fallen in love. And most people point to this defiance as one of, like, the very few times she ever, like, put herself before her duties and her country and, like, really stood up for what she wanted. She was like, look, I'm going to give up my whole fucking life to do this job. Just allow me this one thing. 
Which is weird because she's like the only person who got that allowance. I know. <laughs> it's like, okay. Really? Really? Because um, my uh, uncle was just not allowed to be king because exactly. he liked this American chick. Ooh, well, Philip wasn't divorced. So, you know. Right, not if he a, was. <laughs> like, literally, if he was, like, that wouldn't have happened. Right. Because um, there wasn't any legal barriers to them being married. Right. It was just they didn't like him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So they got engaged in the summer of 1946, but the king requested that they kind of keep it under wraps until Elizabeth's 21st birthday. Right, because they were married well before she was queen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I forget sometimes. I know, I do too. Uh, so until then, the royal family went on a small Commonwealth tour, which there are a lot of in this story, mm-hmm. to South Africa, where Elizabeth got some practice in visiting her subjects. <laughs> And on her 21st birthday, she made a radio broadcast in which she dedicated herself to England and the Commonwealth. She said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Spoiler, it's a long life. It's a really long life. <laughs> She's still going. Good, and, good, good Queen Elizabeth voice, by the way. Thank you. Nice. And people were like, Um, (laughs) so by 1947 philip had abandoned his greek and danish royal titles he had adopted the surname mountbatten from his mother's family and had become a naturalized british subject and the engagement was announced to the public on july 10th 1947 and just before the wedding he was uh made the duke of edinburgh and granted um the moniker or whatever like his royal highness so he was like i'm gonna be a his royal highness marrying a her royal highness right and on november 20th 1947 the two were married at westminster abbey the government had kind of recommended like a low-key wedding Mm. since they were all still recovering from the war but winston churchill was like no like this needs to be a splash of color on our world that has been gray for far too long like i think we need a fun event like <laughs> it's time to party it's time to party it's time to party um her dress was made of ivory satin and designed by royal dressmaker norman hartnell and hand embroidered by four seamstresses who unfortunately have never been named but they said like her dress looked like stardust like apparently like if you see it in person it's unbelievable sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Mm-hmm. um but I do love this. There's a book called The Gown by Jennifer Robson, which it's a historical novel where she just basically gives those four women stories. So she tells a fictional story of those four women just to give them some like names and like faces. Um, but she tells the real story of the dress because it's post-war. And a lot of people don't realize that since, that since Europe has been so devastated, the war rations were still in effect even years after the war ended. So Princess Elizabeth had to gather clothing rations to use for her dress. Like people didn't have shit. Yeah, they really didn't. So she And London was bombed to hell. To hell, like literally blocks and blocks just destroyed. So she had some rations. The government granted her 200 more and... Women from all over England were sending her their war rations. Like, we want you to have the most beautiful dress. <laughs> That's so sweet. It's super kind. I know. It's so kind. She was really grateful, but she returned all of them. She was like, no, like, 
I'm a fucking princess. It's fine. Um, <laughs> also, apparently, it was like illegal for them to give up their war rations. Also, like, can I listen? If you're gonna send me something, can it please be glass slippers? Yeah, please. Like, who the fuck are you with these fabric swatches? <laughs> um, and a, a couple other facts about the wedding: their wedding cake was a fruit cake, which sounds disgusting. Sounds British. It was nine feet tall. Stop. I mean, come on. It's like two of me. Mm-hmm. Two of it's like two of Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Did she wear heels? <laughs> um, and <laughs> it was made with eighty oranges, which sounds like not a lot of oranges for being nine feet tall. Um, six hundred and sixty eggs. That sounds right. And <laughs> over three gallons of navy rum. <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Fruitcake is so heavy. How could it stand nine tiers? Because it's heavy as fuck. It's solid. What are they? It's solid. How they cut it? Oh, I don't know about that. With a diamond tip saw is the answer. That's with a champagne saber. (laughs) (laughs) They took the royal saber from the Duke Malbatten, (laughs) and he had fruit ninja the cake. (gasps) You know what? That is true. Stop it! The King of England gifted <laughs> Philip Mountbatten a sword, and that's what they cut the wedding cake with. Ah, uh, of course. <laughs> I didn't ninja. write it down, but I just remembered that they did do that. Fruit they ninja, cut it the with an actual cake. sword. That's what I would have done. I um, mean, that's what I need. My wedding's in two months. Someone send me a goddamn sword to cut my wedding cake with. Uh, have one. <laughs> just a big knife though Perfect. <laughs> it's just a really long That's knife fine <laughs> longest knife in my kitchen <laughs> um okay so they had this giant cake also there's another fun fact um since it was still rationing they couldn't get enough rations to like get all the food from england so they had like ingredients sent to them from all over the world and the cake was nicknamed the ten thousand mile cake oh <laughs> God. The couple received over 2,500 wedding presents from around the world and 10,000 telegrams of congratulations. You know, you know what this reminds me of? Have you ever watched the show Victoria? No. It's so good. But what it reminds me of is she, they were like struggling with money with the crown. And instead of using the expensive stuff for candles, because there wasn't electricity back then, she was like, let's just use the whale blubber because it'll cut down our budget. Yeah. But then they had this huge party and there was just like fat falling oh from the ceiling all over like people's expensive ball gowns. That's disgusting. It was really gross and super embarrassing for like a 20 year old queen. I can't like, even imagine. Wow. There's like fat falling from the ceiling. I did watch like just a, like a short clip of like that show when she gets coronated and how like the crown like wobbles on her head yeah. because she's a baby when she's yeah, a, liter- a literal baby <laughs> yeah the the show victoria uh definitely worth a watch it made me want to watch it just that one clip it's a really really good show like sometimes when like producer and i are sitting around he'll be like do you want to watch victoria and i'm like i, um, do, I do yeah i do want to do that absolutely That's really i want to <sighs> see prince albert in a can some more um <laughs> and his piercing well, you better let him out okay um okay, back to so, this queen not this, this queen's great great grandmother so after they're married philip was like okay well my job is at the navy so in the navy you can sail the seven seas um so she's in the navy so 
they moved to a naval base because she's a navy wife. <laughs> but so she's the queen. She not yet. She's the heir presumptive. Oh well, yeah. I well, now forget. she's the heir apparent because like yeah. the dad's like super old. Right, right, right. Um, no more babies. So Philip is stationed and in the tiny Mediterranean island of Malta, um, and so they're just living there. It's like a typical naval couple i mean obviously they probably have a much bigger house than everybody Malta, else like we're pull of tarsus beautiful ended up. <laughs> i'm mm-hmm. sure it's beautiful yeah a caribbean i mean not caribbean a mediterranean uh, island even better than a caribbean island calm down wow katie <laughs> opinion sorry so they're there and they're just like a normal couple they're going to dances and parties and she's just like hanging out with all the other military wives that are there or, sorry naval wives um sea women if you will um but you know like she's just hanging out and she's like this is the fucking best like they described these years of their marriage as the happiest they ever were yeah because after that you're just in for the shit yeah that in 1948 just a few days before their first wedding anniversary (laughs) the couple welcomed their first son prince charles and two years later princess anne was born But in 1952, it was becoming very clear that the king was in ill health. And Elizabeth started to slowly take on more and more of her duties to the crown. You know, she's going on more trips. She's going to more events, you know. And she's kind of slowly exiting that beautiful Navy Malta life. And in 1952... The king is like, look, I can't go on this trip. I'm supposed to go on a Commonwealth tour to Australia and New Zealand. But, like, I just can't go. Of the realm. Of the realm. So he was like, can you and Philip, like, go for me? So they're like, okay. So they go out. and But before they go to the South Pacific, they stop in Kenya. They were just five days into the trip when Elizabeth received word from her husband that her father had died. And she is now the Queen of England. Um, that scene in The Crown is unbelievable. Crazy to be like standing like in the fucking safari and find out that you're now the Queen of England. Yeah. I I can't even imagine. No. Like, How could you? And it's funny because like for like I think like a couple of years at that point, her personal secretary had carried around like the paperwork. For her to become queen like, uh, like on paper or whatever because he's like that guy's gonna die any day now mm. well the queen elizabeth paperwork has been carried around since 1960 what? for charles wow so weird it's mm-hmm. like okay like i'm not even sick like calm down <gasps> this is just like i don't need my last will and testament yeah. just yet <laughs> thank you for thinking of me though um what do you want for your last meal <laughs> like every night they're like what do you want for your last meal yeah <laughs> still alive <laughs> i'll have toast thank you very much um can you imagine not being able to get a promotion until your boss dies <laughs> wouldn't that be so weird Mm-mm. and and then but also you really love your boss because they're like, like you a- don't want his job <laughs> <laughs> terrible what a terrible situation i think we need to fix this system um wait should we just vote for our leaders and then they're done after kill Queen. Don't say it on the Okay, pod. no, I won't say it. Don't, <laughs> Don't, Don't worry. Justice for Charles. No. M6 no. is going to be on my doorstep <laughs> like tonight. Like you said you were going to kill Queen Elizabeth. Just kidding. We're not. She's like our grandma. We love her. She's our um, cute British grandma. Exactly. Who looks exactly like my grandma and everyone else's. And acts like my grandma. Exactly. <laughs> looks like your grandma. Acts like my grandma. 
So she's 25 years old, the youngest monarch in like since her great great grandmother, like over in over a hundred years. Victoria. Yeah. yeah. And much earlier than expected, she's back in Buckingham Palace with her two children who now she sees a lot less of. Because and it's just it's a really hard transition for her. Because now she's back in this place that I think she kind of had bad memories of as a kid. She was like, when I came to Buckingham Palace when I was a kid. I lost my family. I lost my family. I lost my dad. Like, that's, this place sucks. Yo, deja vu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so she's back here. But she's like, you know what? I need to make some changes. Because there's a working mom queen in the almost a White House in Buckingham Palace now. And there's more modern technology. So she starts to kind of adapt things to spend more time with her kids. You know, she was like, look, I know we have jets and whatever, but when I can, like, she's like, I want to travel by train as much as possible because she had them put a new train car on the locomotive or whatever. Um, that was a nursery. It was a whole full nursery and she was like if we can like this is my preferred method of travel because i can actually be with my kids on the journey you know we can all be really comfortable it'll be great we don't need to be in air force one or some shit exactly um so she liked the long travel (laughs) so she's trying to figure that out but she's not coronated quite yet those plans were still in the works and a very important element had to be worked out first what name would the queen carry so Philip and his uncle argued for it to become the House of Mountbatten. And there's like that famous scene where like he presumptively had my last name. Well, I was thinking of the scene where like his uncle toasts to the House of Mountbatten and having like the royal family like carry his name. And Winston Churchill found out and he was like, uh, no, <laughs> like, Fuck you. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, so Winston Churchill and Queen Mary like went to Elizabeth and they're like, hey, we know that he's your husband. We know you love him. But this is the house of Windsor. It has been for so long. Like, we really think it's important for you to keep Windsor as the house name. It was literally Tudors and then the Windsors. Exactly. And that's it. And it really like deeply upset Philip. And he famously said, I'm the only man in the country not allowed to give his name to his own children. Which is like one thing. It's like, I do understand where he's coming from. But also it's like royals don't really have last names. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you're a one namer. Um, But like I do get it because it is even still today controversial when women choose to not mm-hmm. take their husband's last names. And not like not deeply controversial anymore, but people still question it. So, like, imagine the 1940s. It's way different. And, I like, I'm sure he he had to come in second to his wife a lot, which Mm -hmm. wasn't common then in history. So, I'm just, he's probably feeling, like, less of a man. But, like. And he had to abandon his career. Yeah. Because now he's not, like, a naval officer. He's he's a duke. And he's going to be, like, the prince of, what, Edinburgh or whatever the hell. Like. He's the, yeah, the Duke Prince of Edinburgh. Yeah. He was a duke, then he became a prince, but he can never be a king. He can never be a king. Because if you're married to a queen, you can't be the king. Yeah. Classic chess. Um, so Queen's the most powerful player. So she's kind of dealing with her husband, husband being like a little unsatisfied with the arrangement. And then Margaret, her sister, approaches her and she's like, Hey, I know you're like queen and everything, so 
can I marry my boyfriend, <laughs> a man named Peter Townsend, who <laughs> is a divorcee, 16 years her senior. And Elizabeth is like, church is not going to like that. Not so right she goes, look, just wait a year and just like do that for me. Just like wait a year for me. So Margaret does. And Elizabeth is kind of hoping that it will just like fizzle out, you know, and then she like won't have to deal with it. But it didn't. And a year later, Margaret's like, OK, great. So I can marry him now. And she's like, wow, I totally forgot about that. Um, but How no. Uh, <laughs> but so Elizabeth is like, look, I'm going to do what I can. So she like takes it to the government and they, you know, just reject the relationship. And we're going to go into this because we absolutely have to do an episode on Princess Margaret because her story is fucking crazy. Um, Everybody but, in this story's story yeah, is fucking crazy. It really is. All of them. But what you only need to really know about this is that it caused a lot of pain between the two sisters because Elizabeth like personally wanted Margaret to be really happy but publicly had to condone the relationship just because he was divorced. Like not even because he didn't really have a title. It was just because he was divorced. Um it just really soured things. And then the press kind of found out because at the coronation, she like literally just like dusted something off of his jacket and the press went wild. And they were like, they're in a relationship, which was true. And then the, then the whole kind of story came out and then there was a poll done of who thinks that these two should be able to get married. Yeah. And 96% of British subjects voted that she should be able to marry Townsend. So now it puts Elizabeth in a bad situation because she's like, I'm literally not allowed to have this happen. And now the people think that I'm like a and monster. And she's not in charge of it. No, she really wasn't. Like, it just, and she's also a new queen. She like doesn't really know the extent of what she can or can't do. Yeah, she and she's a figurehead. There's like yeah. so many things tied to it. There's a lot going on. You know, it doesn't mean she's totally blameless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She could have stood up she and said something. She could have stood up. She could have been like, I'm the fucking queen and my sister can marry who the hell she wants. Exactly. But also, she's a 20-year-old girl. Yeah. So the a kind of deal is reached and it's like, okay, well, you know, your, like, line to the throne or whatever ends when, like, you're 25 or whatever. I don't know what the deal was. But it was basically when she hit 25, her sister, she was allowed to marry him. But then it was like, a couple of years had gone by and like they had sent Peter Townsend like off to wherever. And it just kind of fizzled like it at that yeah, they point, sent it him away. Out. They sent him away to a yeah. different country. So we'll get into that when we get into her story. But anyways, uh, it would just be one in a long line of doomed royal romances for stupid reasons. Oh, th- let me tell you. <laughs> Come on. That's my whole half, of the, whole half of the story. <laughs> um, so she was officially coronated on June 2nd, 1953. And for the first time ever, the event was televised, which at first she really pushed back on. She was worried that televising this event would disregard the deep spiritual importance of the ceremony. And Winston Churchill backed her up on this. He was like, I agree. This is sacred. There shouldn't be, you know, TV cameras in there. So she officially banned the TVs from the inside of the ceremony. Mm-mm. But then the people of England were really upset. They're like, you're supposed to be our queen. And like, we have this technology now. We We've never had it. it before. We, we want to see, see it. it. Like, so I've seen it. Have you watched it? 
I've watched like I did watch a lot of clips of it today. So it's beautiful. When you go to the Crown Jewels in England and you're waiting in line, you know it's like the windy roller coaster mm-hmm. lines. They have a massive screen on the mm. wall and they just play her coronation because it's the last coronation we've had. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one, honestly, because oh, we'll really Charles. get. <laughs> I feel bad. I just want them to bypass him. Ah, uh, but they won't. It'll be fun because we're gonna get two we're gonna get in two. our life. It'll be we'll great. We'll get a Charles and a William back to back, and then hopefully William won't die young. But we might also be alive for his sons if God, William dies early. We'll be so old. We'll be super old, but we'll be like we've seen three. That would be cool. And our grandparents saw one. So, so suck it. Suck it. Um, <laughs> you got the hat trick. Hat trick in my life, bitch. Hat trick coronation. <laughs> For something so... that doesn't matter. <laughs> so the public spoke and they reversed the decision. They're like, okay, like cameras can come in. But it was made very clear. Like there was a detailed list of like rules they had to follow. And one of the rules that there were to be no close ups of the queen. Mm. So when they did the demo of how it was going to go, the cinematographer, Peter Dimmick, was like, yeah, here's how it's going to go. And he used a wide lens. He's like, see, you can hardly see her. But on the day, he switched the lenses. So there were plenty of close-up shots. (laughs) But there was one wish that was granted. The new queen said, you know, there's one part of the ceremony that I really think should stay private. And it's the most sacred part of the ceremony when the queen is anointed with holy oil. And it's a really interesting part because like she's in this beautiful gown and the gown that she had made, she specifically said, I want to be embroidered with the like flowers of all the Commonwealth countries. So she had all the Commonwealth countries represented on her dress at her coronation, which I think is beautiful. Um, And but during this part, that dress comes off or like doesn't maybe come off, but she gets wrapped in like a plain dress. It's like an Adidas all, rip off. Yeah. yeah <laughs> she rips it off. The buttons are flying. Um, <laughs> but she's kind of adorned with like a really plain dress and like all the adornment comes off and they put oil on like her head and her heart and her hands to be like, okay, like lead the country with wisdom and like care and like heart, you know? And, with these powers with these combined, powers combined. <laughs> you are the queen uh, of England. But it was interesting because I was what England. <laughs> she's a hero. Okay. Um, I was watching her ladies in waiting being interviewed, and there, like the one was like, <laughs> "Am I a superhero?" Yeah, you really are. You just snap that pencil in half with one hand. No. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. That's unbelievable. I'm never touching a pencil again. So I was watching this interview with one of her ladies in waiting, and she was like, I totally understood why she didn't want that part in the broadcast because when it was happening, she was like, I was so moved because they like stripped her down and she looked like just like a little girl. And then she's being anointed and they have like the shroud over her. And she was like, I almost fainted. Like she's like one of the butlers had to be like, Hey, like cool it. Like, (laughs) but she was like, it really was like super moving. Um, so anyways, she gets that. Yeah. But Philip Um, had to like kneel to her at that event. He was not super happy about that. No, wasn't super happy. Um, but anyway, so that part was left out, but the coronation went on as televised. And again, these two ladies in waiting who I absolutely love seeing their, them talk about it. (laughs) They said, 
She arrived in a golden carriage, and she looked absolutely regal. And when she stepped out to enter the church, she turned to them and said, Ready, girls? <laughs> and they're like, Are you ready? Like, you're about to be the Queen of England. I mean, you are, but, like, officially. Like, like are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> It's coronation day. We love it. So the coronation was a smashing success, but shortly after, Winston Churchill suffers a stroke, like a really bad stroke. Ugh. And again, what a drama queen. <laughs> really chill out. Oh my God, you smoked like seventeen cigars a day. Yeah. What did you expect, <laughs> Winston? You did this to yourself. Um. <laughs> so he has this stroke. And for years, he had been aging and kind of hitching his wagon onto Elizabeth's youth. But after the stroke, Elizabeth had to do this very hard thing of going to him and being like, I think you need to step down. You can't be the prime minister. Which is really scary for her because she's 27 at this point. And, you know, he's a legend. She's a new queen. He's been guiding her. And he, like, really loved her. And she like, loves serious him, like, dad vibes, really like dad, daddy, daughter vibes here. Right, right, and right. she was like, I feel like I'm telling my dad to like leave. Step down, man. <laughs> step down. Like I'm telling my dad to stop being stop my dad. Stop being naked at the White House. Um, it's inappropriate. Um, so she it's just like, I don't know how to do this because she also just like really respected him. And but she's like, I also have a constitutional obligation to the country to make sure that they have a leader who is fit to do the job. So she tells him that he's like, I'm not stepping down. Um, he stays on for a bit longer because he has more work to do. <laughs> and one of these jobs that he felt very strongly about was maintaining the empire, which was in direct opposition to what Elizabeth wanted to do. So she wanted to modernize you know, the empire, the Commonwealth and turn it into a true Commonwealth, like grant these countries their independence. So that shit's not weird. Right. <laughs> like up. I'm tired of this colonial bullshit. Yeah. Like so... I'm fine being a part of their government, but not fucking their queen. Exactly. So she's really pushing this. And this was like really her big message when she first became queen. She was like, I want these countries to be independent, at least from what I gathered from the things like people maybe know more than I do about the royal family. But anyways, so she decides to go on a tour of the Commonwealth. Honestly, I don't know if anybody knows more about the royal family than we do. <laughs> 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 all the books and all, all, the, world. all the realm. <laughs> the realm. Um, so she is like, well, I'm going to go on a tour. One of her classic tours. They love a tour. They love a tour. And she's preaching her message. And this is when she and Churchill really butted heads because she had planned to stop in Sri Lanka. And they were like, well, if you come, we really need you to visit this like sacred place. It's a Buddhist temple called the like Temple of the Tooth where it's like there's like a tooth from the Buddha. Right. Because and they're relics. Those yeah, are religious these relics. Are relics. So they're like, you know, if you come like we really want you to come here and then we'll like know that you're serious about this. Right. And Churchill told her that she is not allowed to go. He's like, you can't go there because if you go to that temple, you're going to have to take your shoes off. Okay, cool. Yeah. And he goes, oh, and your stockings. And again, she's like, uh, okay. And he goes, that's completely undignified and inappropriate. You're a queen. You shouldn't take your shoes off for anybody. And all right, calm down. She's like, okay, look, here's the deal. Winston, you take your hat off in church. There's no difference. It's a sign of respect. It's just different there. 
So she went to Sri Lanka. She took her goddamn shoes off in direct opposition to him. Yeah. Which I love. Yo, get those convertible tights. Come with the, on. With the hole in the bottom. Roll that bitch up. <laughs> I love a convertible tight. I don't know anything about that because I didn't dance. But it's excellent. I really don't know much about tights. It at has all. like a it like it has like a hole in the bottom, so you can. I remember it up seeing you wear them, and I didn't understand what was happening. The easiest. Um. So that happens, <laughs> and about a year later, Churchill resigns. Yeah. They had dinner together. After burning a portrait of himself like a psycho. Uh, yeah, like an absolute lunatic. Oh, my God. That's how you look, man. It, yeah. It's like you're old as fuck. Just and you're smoking it. a cigar all the time. Um, watch the crown. <laughs> you know, we're citing <laughs> things that might not be true. Really. <laughs> really um, and truly. This is a story for the ages. So this is true. They <laughs> have dinner together. And she raises a glass to him. She goes, to my prime minister. And he raises a glass to her and he says, I served in the military in Bangalore during the reign of your great great grandmother, Queen Victoria, which is like, that's how fucking old he is. No, he didn't. Yeah. Stop it. And he goes, and today I am drinking to the wise, kinder way of life, which your majesty is the young, gleaming champion. He like admits he's like. You were right. You're right. This is the way of the future. You know, I love a man that can say he's wrong. Come on. Still hate Winston Churchill. But and <laughs> I love that, too. Like when I was watching the documentary and it's, and it's his grandson that is telling this story mm. of like, this is what happened, you know, which is great. So meanwhile, <laughs> while she's trying to assert more power in the government, she's trying to let more power go at home for the sake of her husband Mm. she still felt that philip should be the head of the household so she was like okay you know what you're in charge of all things here which means the children's education which unfortunately for charles meant that he went to gordiston which is like i'm gonna abuse you in a freaking school in the country yeah instead of eaton so eaton would be the traditional choice but he went to gordiston which is this like really strict like nearly abusive school which charles felt like was more of a prison sentence well and i mean philip went there Yeah, and then like there. Charles is like, you should go there. Yeah, it was like, I think the Crown does a really good job of like really showing like how rough it was for him and like how outdated it was, you know. And it's just like I don't know. So it's it kind of sucks because I think that it wouldn't have been Elizabeth's choice, but because she was trying to like appease her husband and be like, I mean, you have to make a marriage work. Yeah. Like really she's do. trying to make this marriage work and her husband is already feeling like shit. Yeah. And, and like, even this like wasn't enough. And Philip was like, I am so done with this. And in 1956, he goes on this like four month sailing trip to some remote areas of the Commonwealth with his friends. Oh, wait, you mean staying home and deciding where your kids go to school isn't enough? It's not enough. It's not enough. <gasps> And then surprise, surprise. And this started some pretty nasty rumors about the state of their marriage that still persists today. So we'll never truly know if he had an affair. He absolutely or had a hundred affairs, <laughs> a thousand affairs. I think that he probably did. Yeah, um, I agree. But, you know, they muddled through it all. And soon 
they had another little baby to worry about. Yeah, but I just, I just hate <laughs> the modeling. Because hate this it. is the thing. It's like, it's hard because nobody's talking about this time because nobody really knows because they're so private. So, like, I'm wondering if this is all going to come out in, like, 30 years. But at this point, we really don't know much of what happened, you know? Well, like, I, I don't know that it will ever come out because Elizabeth will not record shit like that. No, she won't. She was so ready to be like, this is exactly how I want the world to see me. She was like schooled in not being on social media. Yeah. Like before social media was a thing, she was yeah. like ready to shut shit down. Exactly. So that's kind of it for like that period because there's really no good information on what was going on. And it literally just kind of cuts to 10 years after Princess Anne was born. Prince Andrew came along in 1960. And I think Elizabeth kind of wanted this to be like a fresh start to them. So she made a legal change that the family name would still be, it would be the House of Windsor, but any grandchild born without a title. So anybody except like the heir presumptives or whatever. So basically everyone's kids except for <laughs> her kids. Uh, like now William's kids. Right. Anyone that's not in direct line to be king would carry the last name Mountbatten Windsor. So it's a hyphenated name. And so that was kind of her first step of being like, look, I really want to make this work. And four years later, when their youngest son, Edward, was born, she really started breaking with royal tradition and insisted that no drugs be used. And she wanted Philip to be there for the birth because originally, like, they weren't allowed in. They weren't allowed in. It was like the secretary of the interior or whatever the hell they have over there who was like present for the birth (laughs) i guess to make sure they didn't like switch the baby yeah yeah yeah. you have Um, to like sign off on it yeah it's absurd and she's like no philip is gonna be here i'm not gonna have that goddamn twilight birth which was where they just like that was like such a disturbing scene where like this really did happen to a lot of especially like royal women where like they would inject them with so many drugs that they were going like in and out of consciousness and they would just pull the baby out with forceps. Right. I do agree. But also like it started because Queen Victoria hated giving birth so much that she was like, give me something. Yeah. Like, please put me to sleep. But you should also have that choice. You should have that choice. And like, it's, it's hard because it's like, if you're going to do that, you should do a C-section because like with the forceps going in, like it was like, yeah, not but good for the sections I feel like weren't <laughs> successful. Oh, definitely not in Queen Victoria's era. Oh, no, no, no. Definitely that not was then. like you would die. Yeah. And I mean, that's only her great grandmother. So for Queen Victoria to be like, I would just like some chloroform, please. Please. And it gave every other woman around the earth like the ability to say, yes, drug me. Right. But then Queen Elizabeth didn't have that choice because you have to go with tradition. Exactly. And then she was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to break tradition because. Right. That's the whole thing about childbirth is, like, you should have a say in how it goes. Right. And that's what Your Elizabeth decided. Plan? She exactly. should have a birth plan. She had a birth plan. <laughs> um, so that happens. But the 60s would bring more than babies for the queen. It was also a time of just unrelenting social, social change that kind of ended up making her feel really isolated. The public felt that she was stiff and old-fashioned, and people started to really cling to the swinging ways of the 60s, and her younger sister, Margaret, 
I mean, the Kennedys. Exactly. I mean, Margaret's hanging out with, you know, President Lyndon B. Johnson and like making really big waves over in America. And she's rubbing elbows with Judy Garland and Mick Jagger and Elizabeth is home dealing with the Aberfan mudslide disaster, which killed 28 adults and like 216 children. Yo, did you watch that episode? It was horrible. I like stopped for weeks. I couldn't watch it. And just like negative stories about her and her marriage and the press and the radical youth of the 60s. And like she's just feeling kind of like, okay, I was like a young, hot queen like a couple of years ago. And I'm like a middle aged queen. Yeah. With four kids. I love what is my place? I love the scene where they're like showing her the new coin with her like profile face on it. And she's like, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. That's not what I look like. Exactly. And so she's having kind of like an image crisis. So she tries to kind of keep up in a few different ways. She actually found a really nice kinship with the new prime minister, Harold Wilson. (laughs) So he was the member of the Labor Party. And it was the first time that someone who wasn't, I think, like a a wig or a Tory or whatever, um, whatever the establishment was, he was the first prime minister that wasn't that, and he was the first one to come from a working-class background. Like, he wasn't a part of the aristocracy, which a lot of people would thought would, like, bump up against the queen like they wouldn't have anything in common. But apparently, they adored each other. Like, they just loved hanging out. And she was like, okay, great. Like, another prime minister that, like, I can actually, like, be with. <laughs> um, so she's, like, feeling kind of like, okay, like, this is kind of getting me in. Like, I'm vibing. Politics I'm vibing. Now. Total vibe. Um, and then they decide that the royal family needs to be more approachable. So there's a 1969 documentary called The Royal Family. A film. Exactly. One and it say. was meant to bring people into the family and make them seem like more human and approachable and normal. And a lot of people it did that for. They're like, "Wow, like look at them. They're driving around and playing with their pets. Like it made them seem more just regular and kind." They're like, Wow, like it's kind of like when like you listen to an interview, like an actual interview with Hillary Clinton. You're, yeah, like, you're like, wow, wow, she's a person. She's like a nice person. I like person. her. You know, it's Seems just like, like I have breaking, exactly, like breaking that wall. But the problem is it didn't really go over well with most people. <laughs> so especially like older royalists, which are just people who are like obsessed They're with the like, royal no, family. You should not be normal. That was their whole thing. They were like, the one thing that you have is your, like, mystery. You're elite. You're elite. You're mysterious. We don't know what's going on. And, like, the curtain has been pulled back too much. Some of these people said, this documentary threatened to kill the monarchy, oh, which is, like, really extreme. Down. It's like, calm, calm down. down. Um, so we have, like, a lot of different reactions. And then others felt like it can kind of confirm their belief that they're, like, stodgy and out of touch. You know, like, they were, like, stiff. Yeah, they're, like, sitting there, like, it's- would you like to watch television? Television. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, like, yes, mama. <laughs> Please turn the Netflix on. I like Hulu. Um, and... <laughs> PBS only. <laughs> it's like BBC. PBS is not a thing there. <laughs> PBS. <laughs> I like the American station. PBS. I would like to watch Arthur. Ziggy <laughs> Marley theme songs to go round. Is that our own on the <laughs> Antiques Roadshow? 
But <laughs> but that's again, it's like you can't please everyone. Right. And, you know, I think that they thought it was going to be like the smashing success. And it just kind of wasn't. Well, it's because and I feel like Jacqueline Kennedy had just done that whole like Emmy Award winning yes, the tour, White House. tour of the White House. Which is She's not British, but no, but she has a mid-Atlantic accent. Speaks like a psycho, mm-hmm. breathy, breathy psycho. And he is President Lincoln's bedroom. Um, <laughs> oh God, I wish I could do it, but <sighs> again, you gotta breathe heavier in the microphone. <sighs> Lincoln. <laughs> but again, you can't please everyone, and the negative reaction kind of scarred her and she was like this will never be aired again and she was like destroy it i think she was like really embarrassed you know burned the copy burned it um so i think she was like feeling a little defeated after that and she's like i just wanted to show people that like i'm a normal person but i guess they don't want that and i mean clearly you're not yeah you're not you're not you're not you're the queen and but, you've been the queen since you were 10. Like, exactly. you're not normal. No. It's okay. But one place where she really put aside her royal privilege was the funeral of Winston Churchill. Shit. He got a state funeral, which was typically held only for monarchs. And she made it clear. She was like, I'm going to enter first and exit last, which is not the typical protocol for the queen. The queen usually enters last and exits first but she was like no that honor should belong to the family and i know it doesn't really sound like super big or meaningful to us but in a country as like rich as england like gestures like that go a really long way and so many people commented in the documentary like I couldn't believe she did that. Like it was such a sign of respect to like basically have them take the place of the most important person in the room. Right. Because she was like, that honor goes to you. And that funeral was really difficult for her because she was like, you know, that was my mentor, the person that brought England through the war, just this very important person to me and the country. It's her work dad. It really was. Um, and then a few years later, she broke a more personal boundary when she paid her uncle a visit while he lay dying on his deathbed in Paris. I think they made some sort of amends. And then when he died 10 days after her visit, she brought his body back to England and she invited Wallace, which is, she was like, she was banned (sighs) from the country, the most hated woman in England. And she was like, stay with us in Buckingham palace. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to stand by your side while you bury the love of your life. And while they were there at the funeral, she asked Wallace, she goes, what side of the grave would you like to be buried on? And Wallace was like, what are you talking about? She's like, look. Well, I'm really pissed about this, actually. Really? Okay. Only because they were supposed to be in our cemetery. Oh, really? Okay, They're I didn't know that. They're supposed to be at Greenmount. They have plots <gasps> set aside Shit. that are empty. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, now I'm upset, too. But, <laughs> but it was meant to be. Excuse me. Don't you want to be buried right next to um, John Wilkes Booth? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Eric Lickers? And, and, <laughs> and, I'm sorry, Eric 500 Lickers. <laughs> um, I was going to say Johns Hopkins, but that's okay. No. Uh, I'm talking about the liquor store where I literally saw someone... <laughs> And the Ouija board there's guy. There's like a weird, um, at this particular liquor store, <laughs> there's like 
a wild like railing that goes up a slight ramp and some guys were fighting there one night when i was walking by and like this guy got punched out and literally did like a cartoon flip over the railing i was like whoo Wow. I'm going to not get involved. I feel bad, but I'm not going to get involved. I just, when I went on my tour um, of Greenbelt Cemetery, they were like, this is where they were supposed to be buried. This was their plots in Baltimore. And I was like, well, there Man! we go. But, but I good do on think you, it's Queen nice Elizabeth. that she, yeah. and like, and that's the thing. He was going to be buried there. And she was like, look, I know you probably don't think we're going to give a shit about you once you're dead. But she was like, I do. Which side do you want to be buried on? And she looked around. And she was like, well, I want to be buried by this, you know, on the side of the tree because I felt like I was kind of always in his shadow. And she said, and nobody's going to bring flowers to my grave. So at least like the tree will shed its leaves and I'll have some kind of foliage. That's the most sad <laughs> thing. So sad? But I just I hate I every know. inch of that. I hate it. But I also. I would have brought flowers to your grave if you were in Baltimore, girl. Yeah, really? Seriously. Um, But yeah, but I think that it meant a lot to Wallace to be like, look, shit's been bad. And like Elizabeth Wasn't was like. Choice. Elizabeth was like really trying to make it right. I was 10 years old when this occurred. Exactly. And then I became queen and shit was thrust <laughs> and upon I hated me. it. <sighs> um okay so 1977 she has her silver jubilee which was the 25th anniversary of her reign but just when she's like kind of starting to get her public image back on track fucking philip goes on tv and he complains that the queen hasn't had a pay raise in like 18 years and he's worried that he might have to give up his polo because they won't have enough money down this did not go over well But the fact of the matter was that it was kind of true. So the monarchy is supported by taxpayer dollars through the civil list, which is a list of things. It's the budget that parliament passes to pay for the monarchy. But it hadn't changed in like 18 to 20 years. And inflation meant that they weren't really getting enough money to pay for their shit because they were getting the same amount as what was 20 years ago. So they were getting around 400,000 pounds a year, which is about $2.8 million in today's money. But they didn't get a cola raise. What is that? Cost of living. Oh yeah. No, they didn't, no get, they, they didn't get a cost of living raise. So, you know, $2.8 million is a lot of money, but to fund a royal household I mean, they're and fucking palace from a hundred places a year and yeah. having massive parties with heads of state. And that's the thing is like, that's part of their duty. So she's like, look, I have to like have these events and have these lavish dinners when like the president of the United States come to visit. Like really at this point, like the budget hasn't been changed in 20 years. And like it, really isn't enough and she's like i know it sounds really terrible and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and but it's like you're presenting your country yeah exactly so she's like what do you want us to be the president has to pay for that yeah when like the president pays for the food in the white house so Mm -hmm. it's like when there's a party at the white house they're paying for that out of their paycheck yeah exactly and she was like look like I'm really embarrassed to have to do this, but like, I think I do need a pay raise. <laughs> she really didn't like that Philip broadcast it to the nation and made them seem like assholes, but it resulted in a 250 page document detailing where every last pence went. <laughs> and after months of deliberating, they agreed to give the civil list a raise. Yeah. But then the question came about like, 
who exactly are we paying for and like why should we be paying for them because the queen obviously goes on goodwill trips and she like does stuff that benefits the nation right but why her kids why the aunts and uncles why Why princess margaret (laughs) right they're like what is princess margaret doing and elizabeth stood up and she was like she is the princess she did all this good in america like no like she should remain on the list and she made a really strong case and so she stayed on the list but she may have regretted that because shortly after this princess margaret became the target of a new brand of paper the tabloid oh yes Margaret is crazy. She's crazy. And so this had really never happened before from what I was seeing in the documentary. Like, there had obviously been photographers at public events that they went to, but she was having an affair with a a man 17 years younger than her, but she was like, I'm going to do it on this remote island in the Caribbean because that's where we have our affairs. (laughs) So they don't get photographed. But this is the first time, like, a photographer had, like, found a way onto the island and taken pictures of her. And then they were published. And it's just, like, this really bad look of, like, I just defended my sister and how important she is to the cause of the nation. And now we're in this big public scandal because of her. Like, and it sucks because, like, Margaret should be able to do whatever the fuck she wants. But, like... And I just wanted to keep that in mind because, like, I can't wait to cover her because, like, everything that happened to, like, Diana happened to Margaret it first. Did. And, like, and it happened to Wallace Simpson. It really did. And, like, Margaret, the, those scenes, and I know you haven't watched that far, but, like, those scenes in The Crown are, like, crushing where she's, like, waking up on this Caribbean island. They're obviously trying to make Helena Bottom Carter look old and, like, her boyfriend look young. Aww. It's a very – they really play it in the show like she's a Samantha. Yeah. And it, she's just like, well, damn. Yep. Yeah. Now I have to call my older sister who's always bar- digging me out of trouble. Yeah. It just – yeah, it really sucked. And it, because it went public, like her and her husband had been having affairs for years, but then it became public and then they got divorced very publicly. And it was a real shock to people and it threw a lot of things into question because people who were divorced were not allowed to go to certain royal events. So now what do we do with Princess Margaret? So the queen did start changing protocols for her sister. She's like, of course, she can come to the garden parties. Like, she's my sister. I don't care if she's divorced. (laughs) So obviously the 70s were not going well for Elizabeth and the royal family. And they needed a plan to, like, get back on track. And (laughs) how are they going to do that? Get Prince Charles married. (laughs) So So the search for a wife for Charles officially began. They're like, we're going to fix our image. And it's interesting because I didn't realize that they had two people kind of keeping an eye out. The Queen and sneaky Lord Mountbatten, Philip's uncle, who always liked to kind of have a hand in things. He thought he was like the king's fall. Yeah, but they agreed. They're like, okay, she needs to be a virgin. She needs to be Protestant. And she needs to be okay with being queen because he had a lot of girlfriends and stuff. He's kind of a young playboy because he's like this eligible bachelor. Can't be Camilla. Can't be the girl he loves. No. Um... But some of his girlfriends that may have been suitable were like, no way am I going to be queen. 
And like, I don't want that. And Charles also admitted that he happened to fall in love with a lot of Catholic girls who he legally couldn't marry because they were Catholic. (laughs) But finally, arrangements were made for Prince Charles to marry Lady Diana Spencer. Who's like a thousand years younger than him. Yep. And that's where I'm going to end my story. In the 80s! In the 80s. In the 80s. Wow. So that's the first half of her life. I'm actually sweating so much. Uh, It's super hot. That's the first half of our story. I will do the second half. It took an hour and a half to do this. is why we did this. (laughs) Yeah. Because that only half of her story was an hour and a half. An hour and some change. Like, this is outrageous. And I, like, fly through the second half like it's butter. Perfect. Butter on corn. We'll see what so, happens. <laughs> we'll get some more drinks because right. we're out. More gin. And more tea. More gin. More tea. <laughs> raise a glass. So raise British. your pinkies. <laughs> we'll be right back. Bye-bye. Science and invention is of particular interest to women. I'm Lexi. I'm Haley. And I'm Alana. And we're covering the good, the bad, and the ugly of women's history. Tune in to Lady History every Thursday to hear about different ladies across history and cultures, from astronauts to zoologists. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lady History Pod and find us wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Last week on Her Story on the Rocks, <laughs> five minutes ago on Her Story on the Rocks, <laughs> Charles was getting married. But to who? Uh, I'm just kidding. I said it. Lady Diana Spencer. Uh, we know what that means. Um, but yeah, we're back for part two. First time we've ever done this. So I will say, <laughs> I will say, picking up in the middle of somebody's life was probably the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because I feel like you get the vibes for a person. Yeah. From doing the beginning. But I really didn't want to research the beginning because I wanted to be surprised. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I wanted the beginning because I felt like it was going to be easier to start. But it definitely wasn't easier to finish. You it's know what very I'm saying? We- it's a weird vibe when you're like all of a sudden in the middle of someone's life. Yeah. Um, but in a, in a really cool way. But it was yeah. just we've never done it before. No, so. we've never done it. So let Here us know we what are. you think. <laughs> um, okay. Are you ready to know what you're drinking? Yes. So I named this drink very personally. Okay. It's called Like the Queen's Coming for Dinner. Okay. Did your mom ever do this to you? No. Okay. So <laughs> I, I am a terrible cleaner. Um, and I just like wipe over things. I like real quick pick up clutter, but uh-huh. like if you were to really inspect, like with a white glove, wipe it off, it would mm-hmm. be dirty as fuck. So when I was a kid, my mom would be like, set the table and I would like start throwing shit and she would be like, no, set the table. Like the queen is coming for dinner. And then <sighs> Allie, clean your room. Okay. Clean my room. No, Allie, clean your room. Like the queen is coming for dinner. So my entire life, it was like, for me, if you told me the queen was coming, I would change the way I did things. Isn't that bogus? It's just funny because my mom uh, was also bad at cleaning. Not bad at cleaning, just, but she just like, it, it wasn't her. I'm not like, good at it. She was just like, she, she was okay with like the dusting over it's of clutter. like, okay, I'm picking up the clutter. Everything looks good. The windows are clean. But like, yeah, she, 
My mom would was never the as if the queen was coming type of cleaner. Right. <laughs> and I'm not. And like my mom has said that to me my whole life. So this drink is like the queen's coming. Okay. And it is an ounce of British or London dry gin. There are several brands of London dry gin that you can get at any local. Who's calling me? The queen. Store. Oh, my God. Is she coming? Who knows? I didn't clean. It's a queen from Michigan. This is so a problem. We'll um, sorry. Okay. Yes. Start over. London dry gin. You can get from anywhere. There's tons of different brands. So an ounce of London dry gin, uh, three-fourths of an ounce of lemon juice, three-fourths of an ounce of tea, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, one ounce of dry vermouth. Okay. I usually use sweet vermouth, so I'm changing things up. Um, just pour it over ice. Shake it together, pour it over ice. All right, Sweet there and we simple. go. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Really relaxing. Really nice. Very interesting flavors. And also, like, I felt like we had, like, very similar ingredients, but our cocktails tasted so different. They taste very opposite. So opposite. But I like it a lot. Yeah, because I used sweet tea. I didn't just use tea tea, which if I was British, I would get well, nailed to a wall for using sweet tea. I turned my tea into a simple syrup. Uh-huh. You know, which is so a little different. Yeah. So, um, but I love that we... <laughs> And also, I use lime instead of lemon. Right. So. <laughs> but I mean, same basic stuff. But yeah, but the same. Totally different. Yeah. Well, and that's how I feel like the queen is. Yeah. You know, you got the same ingredients there. But you don't know who you're going to get. Right. <laughs> okay. So tell me what you know about the second half of Queen Elizabeth's life. Okay. So it is filled with romances of her children so many, and, and grandchildren so and tragedy oh. and uh, trips and that's really all i know is kind of again it's like her story really isn't her story it's the story of everybody that is affected by her being the queen so i don't know i'm what i know is that relationships are not easy when you are related to queen elizabeth yeah. And it sucks. And it's just, you know, she is 1980 on, living in a world that is starting to want a republic, small r, not Republican, big R, but like just a republic in general. Yeah. People are starting to shun monarchical rulings mm-hmm. um, and had been, you know, since her great grandfather. Yeah. Um, when America like came to be. So she is just in a really rough situation where she is like a guidepost and everybody else is just existing around her. And it's Mm -hmm. like really hard. Um, so we left your story on the adorable yet terrible cliffhanger of Charles and Diana. And if you want to know that whole story, Katie and I did a really great episode on Cinderella and Diana were, and we did an episode on um wallace simpson where things are just broken down on a much bigger level yeah which i like because i think that it was important for us to do those stories first so you can kind of get their stories and then you're hearing what was really going on in the palace of like i hadn't really connected the fact that like the royal family had been in absolute turmoil before they were like you know what's going to fix things? Charles getting married. Marriage. You know what I'm saying? Because the coronation like, fixed it last time. So Exactly. And we did point out, I definitely in the Diana episode, and I think in the Wallace Simpson episode, that the queen was going to be painted like the villain in those episodes, but everybody gets their story, and yeah. now we're here. Now we're here. We're like here for her side of the story because she's yeah. not the villain. 
and nor were those women. Well, it's just like how we did, um, like Sarah Palin and Hillary Clinton. You know, right. we told the stories from their perspective, and like because every woman deserves. I don't know if deserves. Sometimes they don't deserve it. But, but you, deserve, <laughs> you you at least deserve your story to be told from your perspective. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you're a bell gunist and you're just a crazy yeah, serial killer. Yeah. But sometimes it's like a political situation where you look like a bad guy to some people, but you're not really a bad person. Yeah. So, so that's this part of the story. This is part of the story. Yeah. So everybody's pretty well aware in the early 1980s that Charles is marrying somebody about... 17 years his junior they are not super totally in love she's definitely in love but he's coming out on national television and they're like are you in love and he's like cringing and white knuckling and being like what is love is like his answer so the world is pretty well aware that he is in love with this too low born woman named camilla and they are not allowed to get married, which is, like, huge mistake. So, 1981, shortly before Charles and Diana were married, the queen is attending this military ceremony. Because, above all else, the queen and her kids are the heads of the military. That's yeah. their job. It's their actual literal job that they yeah. get paid for. <laughs> it's like when you call the president the um, chief of whatever that the head chief yeah it's like really they're the head of the military and then they hire a general right like the official head honcho right so she's at this thing and she gets six shots fired at her because it's like of course nobody wants a queen anymore we want a republic turns out you know she's on her horse it named Burmese Burmese loves horses you know Queen Elizabeth um but it's close range six shots turns out they're blanks and it was a 17 year old assailant and he was sentenced to five years in prison but released after three for this but the queen is just praised for her composure and skill in this situation and keep in mind this is not but a couple years after people like Martin Luther King Jr. and JFK are assassinated in public. Yeah. I can't even imagine how scared, like, leaders were at the time. And be like, ooh, (laughs) you know, we don't really have, like, all these bulletproof, like, Pope mobiles quite yet. Right. So, like, (laughs) we are really ducks in the water. And, like, Queen Victoria had, like, six assassination attempts. Like, World War I was started by an assassination of, like, Franz Duke Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's a big mess. So that's happening. And then just not but a few months later, she's on one of her tours in one of her Commonwealth realms in New Zealand. And a 17-year-old male, again, because we should stop giving 17-year-old men weapons. Please and thank you. Um, Shoots at her with an actual twenty-two <gasps> rifle from a fifth-story window overlooking a parade. So this is very like very JFK. JFK. Oh my gosh! The shooter missed, um, but again has to serve three years in prison. 
Uh, but a couple years into his sentence, attempts to escape from a psychiatric hospital because Charles and Diana were visiting with their baby and oh he wants to try to assassinate God. them. What a lunatic. Serious lunatic. So she's just like, I'm traveling around the world. My kids are traveling around the world and we're going to die. And this leads to like a big sense of anxiety for the queen because she has four children. Yeah. And Prince Andrew is currently serving in the Falkland Wars, which mm -hmm. is like off the coast of South America. And she's like super sure he's going to die and is really upset about it because she's like, how can I make it through? I'm a queen. My husband's alive. I've got these four kids. We're all we're being targeted from literally every corner of the world. And I'm sure it feels like, you know, like we didn't survive the just awfulness of World War Two for me to have my kids taken away from me now right like what the hell and also i feel like she's probably like we're due like yeah. every royal family has like the death tragedy like you yeah. know the kennedy curse and shit mm -hmm. she's like probably where's mine yeah um but then this really weird thing happens it's july 9th she's asleep in her bed and there's a man named michael fagan now he is super famous because <laughs> he was just like you know what? I'm poor as fuck. And you know who's not poor as fuck? The whole the royal, royal family. family. <laughs> so I'm just going to like go and try to talk to somebody in Buckingham Palace. So he just like goes and tests a window and it's open. No alarm. <laughs> Michael Fagan crawls through this window. Have you seen this episode of The Crown? I, I haven't seen this episode, it's but I heard so good i've heard his like story before and it's bananas and it's such a good episode they did it so well because yeah. the queen is terrified and yet also like keeping calm and keep like yeah, keep, <laughs> keep calm keep calm and rule yeah exactly <laughs> like, that's what she's doing so he like gets in and he's like walking around like i'm just gonna try some doors walk around like you've been there yeah that's the whole thing michael so he walks around, he keeps going through doors, ends up in the queen's bedroom. Well, and it, it's, How? it's crazy because I heard that he did it twice. Yes. He ha he made it in there twice. Comes in once. Apparently he just like ate like some cheese and crackers and out. had some wine he, the first time. <laughs> he's in the castle. Not a big deal. Walks out, comes back in, ends up in her bedroom. I can't even imagine. Like... I and was, just sits in a chair. I was listening to someone's bedroom. I was listening to someone talk about it and they're like, I've been on a tour of Buckingham Palace. It's so large. How did he like just so like that's insane. Just so happened just to be so in the Queen's sleeping to be the quarters queen's bedroom. And the Queen and um Philip, they don't sleep in the same bedroom. Mm -hmm. That's like very uncommon yeah. for like royal families. You have your own chambers. You have your own space. Usually one of you is traveling around the world. Yeah. So he just sits in her like fireside chair <laughs> and like she wakes up and there's like a person in her room, which people are like, how is she not freaking out? But also you have to understand people like when you're the queen, like bathe you, they dress you, they do your hair. They're, you're there never are people alone. in your personal space all, all the, the time. time. You're never alone. Yeah. You're naked in front of people all the time. People clothe you. They do whatever you need. So she wakes up and there's someone in her room and then she's all of a sudden like, whoa, who are you? 
Right. Like, like you're not on staff. I don't know who you are. And then he's realizing, oh, this is the queen. <gasps> Probably I'm going to be sentenced to death. So I may as well get this conversation out. Right. So then he just like sits and he's like, I'm not going to cause you any harm. She's like buzzing the palace guards like constantly. Bedside well, buzzing. It was crazy, too, because I heard that like. When he broke in the second time, he did trip off an alarm, but they literally like, mm, I'm sure it's a fluke. Ignore it. <laughs> Not a big deal. Um, and then like he just talks to her about economics. He's like, I'm dying. My family's dying. We have no money. Like oh things gosh. are falling apart. Um, but by the by the time the guards get there, this is like a huge embarrassment for Buckingham Palace. I'm sure. Huge embarrassment. But she's like. Please deal with him kindly. Like, oh, he's nice. He did not hurt me. He wasn't here to hurt me. He's like obviously crazy and misguided because you don't just like break into the palace for no reason. Yeah. And it, he could have murdered her. He really could have. In her sleep, which yeah. has happened to royals in our recent history, like right. as per the Russians. Yeah. So. Um, and also the King Louis and Marie Antoinette, like all this shit is like recent history. So, yeah. um, but she's like, listen, he didn't hurt me. He just needed to talk. He needs like a psychiatrist, not like yeah. the death penalty. So that's a fun thing. Oh that my God. Happened in the eighties. It must've been so scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Waking up and being like, I don't know who this strange man is in my bedroom. And then to keep calm and talk him off a ledge, Mm-mm. the bravery that Mm-mm. takes, absurd. I mean, it takes somebody who's been queen for 40 years to figure it out. Yeah. Because guess what? She was the queen for so, so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this time, she is still rubbing elbows with the Americans. She always kind of is. At this point, Ronald Reagan is the president, you know, the actor mm-hmm. from California. Mm-hmm. And he's invited to Windsor Castle. And then she's invited to his ranch in California. And it's just so fun fun. because you know how she loves a horse. She does. She loves a horse. She periodically visits Kentucky stud farms in and out of America. She's like, I have to be in Kentucky with all these horses. What? I didn't know that she was in Kentucky all the time. They said in the article, periodically in Kentucky. Periodically is big the for the queen. Periods are pretty short, so <laughs> she's there. She's there periodically. <laughs> I'm gonna say once every couple years. I'm not gonna lie. I did. Uh, I did catch a little bit of the horse jumping in the Olympics, the equestrianism. Oh yeah, Peta's pissed about it. I was on pins and needles. I was so upset because I was watching these horses and I was like, "How are they gonna get over that?" That have you been to a steeplechase? I've never been. We need so, to go. So There's one right down the street. Oh, we're absolutely going. We have um, to dress up. We need hats. We need cocktails. Every, no leisure we activity. Need flasks. Here. Um, but yeah, it was so nerve wracking. So I was like, their hooves are centimeters from these huge in honor of the queen obstacles. centimeters away <laughs> from these in honor of everyone yeah. but us liberia <laughs> and thailand shout out to the homies um but shout yeah it was like really stressful i was like i'm so worried that they're just gonna trip and fall yeah, which it, i'm sure they do it, like the less like professional horse riders like the horses get injured all the time <sighs> It's so sad. It's super dangerous and sad, but we're absolutely going and PETA, fuck me. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Also, fuck you for saying we should eat crabs. Okay. (laughs) Get out of here. Get 
get out of here with your nonsense. Get out of here. It's like, okay. I am all for, what is it called? Sustainable eating. Sustainable eating, yeah. And not abusing Apparently animals. Apparently, everybody Don't hates abuse Pete. animals. Apparently, like most people. Oh, anyways. Yeah, PETA, not on the uh, top list of top sustainable list. living. Yeah. Like, stop throwing red paint on people. It's weird. Okay. Anyway, Bob Barker. So, <laughs> spay and neuter, spay and your, neuter pets. your pets. Um, okay. So, her and Ronald Reagan are like close, like hobnobbing it. And then she kind of realizes, but I'm not a politician because America then like invades a Caribbean island. And she's like, oh, but like you didn't tell me. And I yeah. thought we were friends. But right. he doesn't have to tell her. He has to talk to Parliament, but he doesn't have to talk to her. And she's <sighs> realizing again. I am kind of just the Kardashians of England, which yeah. is weird. Um, even though she has these relationships, she's like playing hostess and not really part of the business conversation. Yeah. So intense media interest in the opinions of the royal family and the private lives of the royal family starts. And they're in the 80s. Their stories are just sensational so the british sun editor says quote give me a splash on the royals don't worry if it's true so long as there's not too much fuss about it afterwards and then the observer says the royal soap opera has now reached such a pitch of public interest that the boundaries between fact and fiction have been lost to sight. Oh. It's not just that some papers don't check their facts and accept denials. They don't care if the stories are true or not. So everything we've heard since the eighties about the Royals and what we see on the crown is public speculation. Yeah. And it's so important to remember that because the crown is a good television show, but that's what it is. It's a television show. Yeah. And these are real people who have died. Yeah. Like when we watch Princess Diana on that show going through depression, she died. Yeah. Like that's not fun. It's not fun and cute. No. It's not a show. This is not Game of Thrones. That's a dead woman because of the way the earth reacted to her. So like back the fuck off. Yeah. Well, not, that's not cool. Well, that's why I um Dax Shepard, I listen to his podcast a mm. lot and he interviewed Prince Harry and it was really interesting just him being like my yeah. mom that's my mom like i always forget that but like her sons are still here and, and they public. were old enough to remember yeah they, they were like, babies like, they were teenagers two days before it happened they were like jet skiing with her and her new you know significant other on it, a cruise yeah it just like it's terrible i don't know it really puts it in perspective that like these aren't just stories we're telling they're people's lives that we're telling yeah and it's not okay and and sensationalizing you know yeah. it's like it's why when i was telling my story it's like you know prince philip probably had affairs but like i really don't know because it's heavily suggested in the crown oh yeah but like i don't know we don't really know i don't know it's and hard. it's also heavily suggested that she's a super insecure woman who's trying to make it through yeah but it's like are we just playing her that way because right. she's a woman because yeah. that's the exact next thing in my story is that in the crown and in the public eye and that's why it's like this on the crown her and margaret thatcher are seen as having a very tumultuous relationship oh i didn't know that yeah so uh, 
Margaret Thatcher is the first female prime minister of the United Kingdoms with good on you because we still cannot fucking get there. Really? Um, but her and Queen Elizabeth, the press kept being like, Queen Elizabeth said this about Margaret Thatcher. And then mm. it's like, Margaret Thatcher said this about the queen. And it turned into this like public cat fight. That, and like, behind closed exist. doors, maybe they didn't agree on politics, but it wasn't actually existing. But then the queen looks really bad because as you said, she's not supposed to comment on politics. But now all of a sudden it's like, she's talking bad about this woman who's like really just agent Scully. And then, <laughs> and then it looks like Margaret Thatcher's disrespecting the queen because she's like, the queen is not supposed to say shit like that. So well, both of them look you're bad. A woman, you can't win. You can't. They both look bad in the paper, but it turns out that like the queen is like, no, I actually really respect her. And Margaret Thatcher is like, no, I have personal admiration for the queen. Even if they were on rocky ground politically, they didn't like disrespect each other. And then the queen ends up giving her two honors, the order of merit and the order of the garter, which is like a really nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. And there's this great queen scene where like Margaret Thatcher is like bowing in front of her and she's like giving her these honors. But, it's almost like forced honors because the public forced them to get along because they said they yeah. were cat fighting. Yeah. And it's annoying. It is annoying. Because I also don't agree with Margaret Thatcher's politics, but that's, she's still fucking cool. Right. She still did something that I can't do. She's and that I think is important for women to do. Like, and like <laughs> British parliament. Have you seen the way parliament yells at each other? Like how there's it's no order. Unruly. And she just Completely like stands unruly. up as the head of the party in her blue power suit and her waft perm. And is just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So cool. I can't make heads or tails of it. Great Britain. It's terrifying. <laughs> Parliament is terrifying. I'm watching a show right now, which I'm going to promo on my thing. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, it takes place like the second season takes place in an English courthouse. And I like cannot believe that they make them wear those fucking wigs. Still a barrister. I can't believe it. Like, tell me more. Tell me more. Like, did and he have a wig? Okay. And apparently <laughs> the worse your wig smells, the more experienced you are as a barrister. Oh, my God. That's like Michael Jordan with his North Carolina shorts. Disgusting. From, that he wore under his bull shorts. I hate it. Crazy. Um, all right. Okay. I'm sorry. I totally derailed your story. No, because we needed to talk about sorry. Miss Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> not Princess Margaret yeah, we're done with her. We're done with her. We're, we're done with her. She'll come back. She'll come back when she dies. It's fine. <laughs> She'll come back. Okay. So it's the 80s. The queen is target of satire, but she's also tied up in things around the world. Like, people are like, she's a figurehead, but also she really is the queen of a lot of these realms. These realms yeah. aren't controlled by parliament. That's what's really important to understand. Parliament controls the United Kingdoms, you know, but she is on the parliament in Canada. She is on the parliament in Australia. She is on the parliament in Fiji. Not you. Mm -hmm. So, like, get the fuck out of here, Tony Blair. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit what you're doing in the UK. She's literally in charge of 45-some-odd yeah. countries. Uh, fuck off, why don't you? <laughs> why don't you? I love British sayings. I love them. I love them. So, anyway... She's dealing with that. She's dealing with the fact that South Africa is having problems with apartheid, which a lot of people in South Africa 
credit her with like being like fuck no she was super against apartheid and like really trying to help and then she's dealing in canada she's over there like let me fucking help you and then there's this coup to overthrow the fiji monarchy and she's like yeah i'm friends with the fijian monarchy and i'm also their ruler but also like a republic is not a bad thing because i'm here for it i'm here for people to have independence well, and that's what I like about her is like, I really feel like she was like, look, if you need us to be a stronger hand, we will. But if you want to be your own republic, we support that. I like, feel like she was trying to finish the coloring book whilst coloring in the lines. Allie Alexandra. That's the most perfect way. <laughs> wow. That's Full the most perfect way to finish it. It's all that's, she did. She's so into it. Yeah, because you're right. She is totally trying to color within the lines, but, like, make it right. And, yeah. like, she has such a conscience, and it's so important. Yeah. Um. So in the 90s, we know that her life is going to take a tailspin. So we're, like, in the wake of the Gulf War, she becomes the first monarch to, like, address the joint U.S. Congress. She, like, is the first monarch to do everything. She's, like, on public stages. Like, the U.S. didn't care about the British monarchy because they were, like, fuck you, we lost King George III. But really, she's, like, been around longer than America. She's, like, so fucking cool. Yeah. Super cool. And, like, (laughs) I read somewhere that she, like, sent the first email in, like, 1976 or something like that. Like, unbelievable. Like, she's literally older than everything. She's on board. Older than sliced bread. Yeah. Her and Betty White. (laughs) Um, But so we we come up to 1992, which is her Ruby Jubilee, which is 40 years as queen. But she marks this as a horrible year because again her family's finances become the view of the public and everybody's like the queen makes so much fucking money and she's like actually i know that money seems really big but like you're overestimating like if you actually break down the budget i'm buying nothing for myself yeah everything i buy is for the public i own nothing she doesn't own her castle she doesn't own her house she doesn't own Balmoral she doesn't own her jewelry it's in a museum like she owns literally nothing yeah well and again this is why I'm so glad we did both parts because I feel like we kind of started this story of like in the 70s like people thought that it was one way and she was like it's actually, not like it's not like it's really hard it's it's really hard and like I actually don't have as much I have a lot of privilege and, like, I have a lot of things, right. but they're not really mine. And not only now are her things not hers, but her family's not hers. Because the tabloids are yeah. a rolling. So, all of the 90s is constant rumors of affairs and strained marriages. Mm. Prince Andrew and his wife separate. Princess Anne divorces Captain Mark Phillips. An angry mob throws eggs at her in Dresden. Um, there's a large fire that breaks out in the personal quarters of Windsor Castle, and they have to oh gut the gosh. whole thing. Um, and in a very unusually candid speech from her, she says, I know we have a public family, and we should expect criticism, but can it at least be done with a touch of humor, gentleness, and understanding? Like, Ugh. back the fuck off is what she's saying i'm just gonna say can we do that always really because we don't do that anymore we don't we don't approach things with gentleness and humor and understanding we're not nice about anything we are constantly with 
torches and pitchforks now yeah. and it's really upsetting for everybody all the time for everybody there's all no, the time there's no break from it even people we don't agree with it's like a constant like bah even people we agree with yeah. you know what i'm saying yes. like yes it's terrible it's really difficult where it's yeah. like i sometimes want to be like to be like we're all on the same side like can't you see that like yeah, it's impossible. It's, <laughs> and I think one of the things that's really hard for Elizabeth is she's been around so long. So, like, I think she feels haunted by decisions in the past. And you know how oh, hard yeah. it is to change your mind. So it's like, we know what happened with Wallace Simpson. Yeah. We know what happened with Princess Margaret. And now you're dealing with it with your own children and grandchildren. And they're like, oh, now how are you going to act? And she, yeah. she should reserve the right to change her mind, to say, I yeah. made a fucking mistake. Yeah, I made a should. mistake. Because people make mistakes and like they do, but I feel like she yeah wasn't granted that, and then she's like trying to save face, and then it yeah it just ends up blowing up. It sucks. Yeah, and sucks. it's really bad. And then the next year, and she agreed with this. The British government decides that the royal family should have to pay income tax, mm-hmm. and the royal family, except for her, but she opts to pay the income tax with the rest of her family. Bless. Yeah, okay. seriously. Um, but famously, Charles and Diana separate. Mm-hmm. It's very public, very Camilla, very, <laughs> very Camilla, very Camilla, very I like a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> very Camilla. <laughs> it's very like Princess Diana comes off as Cinderella and she comes off as the evil stepmother. Like it's Queen Elizabeth. literally like Cinderella part three, a twist in time. Yes. <laughs> it's really rough for Queen Elizabeth because she looks like the total evil mother-in-law yeah which the joke is already about the mother-in-law which isn't a fun joke to start with no raymond <laughs> and now that's how you look um it's very camilla so. <laughs> i promise i'll put it on a tote bag when i remember i would love it it's very camilla um <laughs> dot 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 it's very camilla that's that vc uh, <laughs> i love it okay even though beliefs in like republicanism are super high and there's accusations shooting back and forth about Diana and Charles, like people still have really high approval ratings of the queen. They're separating the monarchy from the queen because she is steadfast. Most people have not been alive as long as she's been queen. So people aren't like comfortable being like, yeah, get rid of her. She's like, the fucking Jolly Roger. She's the flag. Yeah. She's part of our country. Yeah, she's the cornerstone. Stay here. Stay here, queen. My God, she's going to die soon and I'm heartbroken. Anyway, she actually even wrote to Charles and Diana and was like, a divorce would actually be desirable right here for you guys. Like, I, I know that I'm generally against divorce, but obviously your mental health for both of you is struggling. Like, end it. And they do. <laughs> so one year, obviously, after Charles and Diana divorced, Diana was happily in a new relationship. And she went on a cruise with her SO. And her boys visited. And they had a great day swimming and jet skiing. And they go home to London. But she and her SO stop in France for dinner before they touch down in London. She dies in a car crash that evening. Go back to our Diana episode. Please do. We go really deep into it. Really in depth. And I'll give you a brief part of the queen situation. 
the queen and her extended family were staying at Balmoral for a holiday. Um, and William and Harry were there when the car crash happened. And the queen decided to keep the boys in Balmoral to shield them from the press. I, it's going to be terrible. What I, a good decision. Keep them there. Honestly, a good decision because I can't even imagine because that's, and I hate saying this, but like, that's the money shot of like, oh, the grieving sons. Yeah. And it's like, it's like your kids are, your thing. mom it's is like, dead. Your mom is yeah, dead. Like, how do you feel about that? And it's like, Leave obviously terrible. Right. Get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Like, hate it. Hate it. Absolutely. Ugh. Um, but in the grieving and the distance, there's this, some people say it was purposeful. Some people say it was a lapse in judgment judgment but the buckingham palace flag does not get put at half staff to be fair everybody's at balmoral she's not the queen's not there the kids aren't there their mom's dead everybody's freaking the fuck out but there's a big public issue i i would also take issue with that i would too i agree i'm not she's a public figure she's a public figure somebody should be in charge of that shit she is beloved and I, by the country and the world. Yeah. I, yeah, that's fucked that they didn't do that. But I also don't know. I can also imagine though, that it's like, nobody is quite sure. And I imagine being the person who's in charge of the fucking flag being like, unless the queen says, unless to, the queen says to, but it's like last on her list of things to worry about. Right. She's I like, my know. daughter-in-law just died. It's not like an obvious for like, right. You know, like the king died or queen died or whatever. It's like they got divorced. So are they part of the royal family? Yeah. It's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Do we do lie we, her in state? Do we lie her in state? Do we fly the flag? And ha- what do we do? I'm not going to judge the people who weren't given direction. Right. And that's exactly the problem is everybody's like, why? Who makes these decisions? Right. <laughs> who cares? So then three big theories arise, obviously. And these are the only, the ones involving the queen. One, she directly asked M6 to have Diana killed. Don't believe that. Two, she asked to have her followed and it was an accident. Kind of believe that. Yeah. Three, it was and you know, people were following her, but they were innocent bystanders to the paparazzi and the guy driving was kind of drunk. Also kind of believe that. Yeah. But the big issue here is a lot of people speculate that Diana was pregnant and that even if Charles and Camilla got married, which they did in 2005, she would always be William's mother. So if the queen passes away and Charles passes away, then other than William's wife, Diana would always be the highest ranking woman in England. And that would make her children with new said significant other step siblings to the king mm. and they're not royal because she's not royal and her significant other's not royal so now you've got these other kids involved so a lot of people think that she was pregnant and it was a target but we don't know that that's true at all um but the queen does address the public and talks with actual feeling about how she's feeling for her two grandsons. And it does call a lot of the sadness in Mm. or the anger against her. So then in the later nineties, Elizabeth and Philip make this visit to India because like, I mean, India, they're like our big Commonwealth. Like they're our bros, right? Here we go. And they're our shoes off for (laughs) Sri Lanka. So we love India. 
And <laughs> they go to this 1919 massacre site, which there was like a British military that like massacred some Indian people in a pro-independence rally. And Ooh. people come and she was going there to pay her respects to the Indian people that lost their lives. Right. And people come and they're chanting, killer queen, go oh, back, no. killer queen, go back. And they're asking her to apologize. But she pays her respects. She lays a wreath. She does 30 seconds of silence. And it's just, this is the problem if you're part of a colonial regime, but you also have a conscience. You can't have both. You can't be a colonialist and have a conscience. Because once you have that conscience, you feel bad you that go you back. ruined these people's lives. She is so in between two universes. Two eras that don't exist anymore. Like two... the old one doesn't exist. I just, I can't imagine being best friends with someone who served under Queen Victoria, Winston Churchill. In 1900. <laughs> in, when she died in 1901. Queen Victoria died in 1901. Like, being a- that connected with the, the Victorian age and then the new Elizabethan age. Like, that's worlds apart it's like, absurd hey she might have died in 1909 i can't remember but that was also a very good episode so if you want to listen to queen victoria ally fucking killed it did kill it loved it lots of sex talk in so that much sex every time i see her i'm like you bad girl <laughs> you, you spunky spunky <laughs> thing um okay but then People get on board every time there's an anniversary and Elizabeth and Philip were having their 50th wedding anniversary Aww. in the in 1997 and everybody's like, oh my God, 50 years. I was alive for that. Great. I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> um, you were nine. <laughs> I was a queen. I was <laughs> in 2002. Then like, because it's like they get married and then there's a jubilee and then there's an anniversary and then there's another a jubilee. jubilee. So she has her golden jubilee, 50 years as reigning queen. But right before the celebration, her mother and sister die in <gasps> February and March, respectively. No, the same year? Same year. February, her mom, March, her sister. No, thank you. Back to back. Horrible. It's very bad for her. Um, and then they're like, oh, my God, take a tour of the realm. And she's like, great. So she starts by going to Jamaica and then immediately comes to Maryland. What? Like no way, we're not part of your realm, my no. girl. But there's, we'll take it. There's pictures of her at the Goddard Space Center, like <gasps> two miles from here, and in a little. I suit. didn't even know we had a Goddard Space Center. <laughs> there's like a big brown sign on the 95, the and brown it says sign. employees only. Ooh. And I'm like, shit, I want to go. Queen Elizabeth went. Anyway, <laughs> then there's like a massive three to seven day party in London, and journalists are like. People are way more enthusiastic over this 50-year thing than we expected. People are really down for the queen. Um, But, you know, in the 2000s, like, her health starts to go. In 2003, she has to get this surgery on her knees. And then in, like, 2006, she has this muscle problem in her back. And everybody can just tell she's getting older. Mm. And then her and Tony Blair... Just really don't see eye to eye. She's been through more prime ministers than I've seen morning toast. Than literally like I've ordered Joe Corby's pizza. Right. Exactly. So 
so many. I think the number is like above 13. Yeah. So it's absurd. It's like, that's crazy. And she's like not getting along necessarily with him. And then Charles is next in line and people don't really like Charles. And William <laughs> isn't married to Britain's sweetheart yet. And it's just terrible because <laughs> Queen Elizabeth is nostalgic, but Charles is a fucking soap opera. Yeah. People are not down. Mm, not down. Yeah. Like, literally, if we could skip a generation, like, everyone would be so stoked. But in the early 2000s. Ooh, okay. Kate Middleton. <gasps> now Duchess Catherine was all the rage. Uh, bringing justice to Kate's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> she and William met at university in 2001. And they dated on and off. And to be honest, everybody knew they were dating on and off because she did not want to be the queen. She was like, I Bless her heart. can't do it. She's totally going to be. I can't do it. I don't want to do gonna it. She's going to be queen. This is uncomfortable. Uh also, she was not of noble birth, and this would be the first time. What was her birth? She so Just a she, normal person. She has very wealthy parents that own like an airline industry, <gasps> but she is not of noble birth at all. Middleton Air. Just kidding. It's not Maybe. A real <laughs> no, but she's like she's a super rich girl. But people were like, she's too middle class for the king. <laughs> That was how the news portrayed it. Even though her parents are like billionaires. Okay. But okay. like she wasn't noble or royal in any bloodline. Right. The aristocracy As far as I know. That there. was my understanding. And they were like, no. Or if she was, it was like really lowborn. Um, but now, I mean, she was really criticized at first. Do you remember the pictures of her in that college fashion show with like the yes. see-through thing and people like tearing her to shreds? And you know and what? Like, she just, Get out of here. Yo, she, she just like, rose above. She chose one path, which is like, just make people love you. Absolutely. And now she is praised as one of the greatest assets to the crown present day. Um, and everybody's like, she's the reason that we're going to exist. It's not Charles. It's not Camilla. She's the reason the crown will exist because everybody fucking loves Kate Middleton. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan. And I, I love her. I really like her wedding dress. I, I like her bad, hair. Because I really like her. I like her wedding dress. More Better than, than Meghan, Meghan Markle's. Markle's. Meghan Markle's didn't it feels fit correctly. like she needed one more fitting. She, it didn't fit correctly. I agree. The fitting was off. I'm glad we're here for this. I'm glad we're here for this. With Miller Lights. <laughs> it didn't fit. Miller um, Light and her wedding dress didn't fit. This is the champagne of beers and her wedding dress didn't fit. A okay. toast to all. <laughs> Your wedding dress should fit. Have a fitting. So. Mine's on Saturday. <laughs> Get it. Truly. Get it. Go to it and be there. <laughs> I will be on Saturday. Do you need me to come? Everybody, just remember. Is Paige going? No, it's just my mom and I. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect and personal. Take it. Okay. <laughs> that should be the title of this season. Perfect and personal. <laughs> I will, like, not put one finger in this wedding I'm not supposed to. I'm oh, like, my gosh. No. no put all it. of them in. Don't touch it. <laughs> I keep not touching it. I need to feel loved because I'm feeling very Pluto all the time. So. Oh, my God. All I want to do is, like, take over. But I'm like, I'm not actually her sister. I need to, like, fucking rein it in. take over. <laughs> I'm drowning. I keep going, Allie, rain it in, rain it in. 
Okay. We'll talk later. <laughs> Personal corner. Personal corner. Both of us dealing with our insecurities on our own, but also together. Simultaneously. <laughs> Over <Terrible>. me. <million> um. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. Again, that got personal. Full tragedy. But Kate Middleton has brown hair, so and I under- her hair. I understand why it went there. <laughs> Can you understand how great her hair is? It's perfect. It's so bouncy. Where's that bounce from? God damn it. Okay. So up to this point, Queen Victoria had reigned for 63 years. That's the longest reign ever. Queen Elizabeth is on 60. Oh wow. Um. So she's coming up on it. And in her 60-year party, her, like, whatever that one's called, Sapphire Gem Diamond Fun. The Diamond U- Fettuccine <laughs> Diamond Fettuccine <laughs> Jubilee. Um, the U.S. Secretary General, Ban Ki-moon, from South Korea, is, like, she's an anchor for our age. Like, absolutely, fucking love her. So I agree. Then she goes to New York and Canada and opens these, like, 9-11 memorials. You know, she doesn't have a passport. She doesn't need one. Doesn't need one. I mean, it's like, what, on. what she is she a, gonna do? Why would she have a tiara? One? You don't need a passport. <laughs> Tiara's only here. <laughs> Thank you. Leave your passports at the door. <laughs> so okay, she then the female president of Ireland mm. extends an invitation. Okay, don't know queen. about her, but I'm here for her. And the Queen Elizabeth becomes the first British monarch to set foot oh, in ireland since no. 1911 what i know how they're like neighbors they're i know so they close hate to each other. other have you seen dairy girls what do you need dairy girls is my favorite show of all time so yeah. she's on ireland <laughs> she's on the <laughs> island of ireland she's on the, I- the island it's an island right yeah but they're all islands. but northern ireland is part of the uk but Southern Ireland is not. We've made this bring mistake before, and I'm, <laughs> I know this time. I looked it up. I know. There we go. Okay. Dairy Girls. Perfect show. Perfect. It's so fun with all the crazy warmongers. Okay. <laughs> um, so she's in a new jubilee. Everything's going crazy. She's going on extensive tours, but then she's like, you know what? I'm like high enough in the jubilee status that like <laughs> i want my children and grandchildren to do like half the tours for me because this is like too much agreed right yeah i, I, totally I agree. agree she's so, like i'm so sick of I'm, Kenya. I'm so old <laughs> i cannot physically be in new zealand anymore <laughs> i'm done somebody please go i have so many family members so in 2007 queen elizabeth surpassed her great-great-grandmother queen victoria as the longest reigning queen regent and she also became the first sovereign to attend a peacetime cabinet meeting in her own country since george the third which is like the one who tried to kill us um excuse me she was like the center from george the fifth i know and six insane so many numbers between them okay so then in 2011 she opens the olympic ceremony no she doesn't in london (gasps) which is like her second one because she also opened the one in canada in like the 70s but this one she does a short film with daniel craig and she's (gasps) the bond girl no and bafta said she's the most wonderful bond girl yet I didn't know that. It was really cute. It was like literally <laughs> during the opening ceremony. It was really cute. The only thing I remember of that opening ceremony with the big is heads. 
The I big hat. I didn't remember that. No, I remember it. One Direction performing. <laughs> and then some sort you of like. You're England. We love you. Um, and then I remember like a little English like beetle bug coming in and then the Spice Girls performing. Perfect. All I remember is Harry Styles to Posh. That's all I remember. Harry Styles to Victoria Beckham um, might be the name of my memoir. Name of my memoir? I think so. Okay. What other cultural touchstones do you need? <laughs> frankly. I mean the Beatles, but they're all dead. Mm. All but two. All but all one? All but two. All but seven? No, it's uh, Ringo, Ringo and, and the Paul. drummer. No, Ringo the is the down. drummer. <laughs> Ringo is the drummer. It's okay, Ringo and Paul. Listen, I want you to tell me this. Get okay. ready for this. I will. Ringo Starr. Uh-huh. Paul McCartney. Uh-huh. John Legend. Led Lennon. Oh, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Lennon. John Legend is married to Chrissy <laughs> Teigen. Can never remember. George Harrison. Can't remember his fucking name, Katie. He's everybody's favorite Beatles secretly. But I think that. I mean, mine's Paul McCartney. If I was stopped on the street and asked to name all four Beatles. You couldn't do it? I would forget George Harrison every time. Okay. I'm going to steal you in his memory. He wrote Here Comes the Sun. Doesn't matter to (gasps) me. I love that song. I love that song. George Harrison. Here Comes the Sun. He's beautiful. He is beautiful, but how can I remember his name? George, like Washington, Harrison, like Harrison Ford. Ford. Got it. Now I know. (laughs) Washington Ford, George Harrison. Got it. (laughs) I just need a little word association. A little word association goes a long way. I win. Okay. Health begins to decline. Still declining, still declining. We're just going to keep talking about that. But she does sign over um, a new charter of the Commonwealth, which puts Prince Charles in a little bit more power. Okay. Because she's like, listen, I understand that I'm, like, coming up on my 90s, and, like, he's obviously the... The in line. Right. The heir apparent. Heir apparent. Not presumptive. Right. Um, But in 2015, she becomes the longest female head of state in the world and the oldest current monarch then becomes the longest reigning current monarch and the longest serving head of state when the king of thailand dies and then she's like get the fuck out of here okay <laughs> please die please die i got some titles Aren't you part of my realm <laughs> um she did undergo some cataract surgery and then she gets in like a minor car accident and is like i'm not gonna drive anymore which why the fuck was she why driving, was she driving? <laughs> this is 2019 and she's like i don't think i'll drive anymore. i'm sorry was this during world war ii when you were an ambulance driver other than that you should not be driving why <laughs> why what? i mean i feel like the heads of states never drive i feel like somebody drives them around i would love that as a person who drove over a thousand miles this week Shouldn't i would drive fucking anymore. love that it would be great okay. sit in the also, back on my phone you know and just what i would love on my also phone. cataract surgery my eyes are fucked up oh I my god i need cataract surgery. I, mean, I feel like it's a pretty simple surgery just do it mm, yeah i okay. should okay. <laughs> i will we'll see we'll see what my health insurance tune says. in next week <laughs> <laughs> tune in next week for my cataract surgery i went to north korea and got it done all right in march 2020 the queen and philip moved to windsor castle again because the pandemic and they have to sequester themselves. They have to get out of London. They're old. They're like some of the people who are like really going to get sick from this. Um, But from there, she uses what she learned about radio and she addresses the public. Um, Thanks for bringing it back. I'm doing my best. (laughs) 
she she's addressing the public on video vocally from Windsor Castle telling them to stay brave telling them to like be I mean what you know what a leader should do during a pandemic not like not <laughs> like, like don't trust anybody right I mean she didn't go on television and deny that science was a thing yeah that was nice of her yeah and she also didn't like um you know condemn get people to attack other people you know she was pretty cool about the pandemic <laughs> in general and that's all we're going to say about it. I mean, she wasn't like a whore about it. She wasn't like the absolute worst. She like um, she wasn't like the ruler of the free world, like condemning everybody to death. She wasn't like a petulant child. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. OK, so she was really cool about it. Um, and then from Windsor, they had to celebrate the 75th anniversary of D-Day, which she was fucking at like alive for her so like now she has to like celebrate it uh, she's like, been there done that okay my god world war ii again Ag- Ag- we're still uh, talking about again? this again and then i'm at like a emerald Lagasse, okay <laughs> right now with my jubilee i'm done with this like, bam I'm done. <laughs> but she does in november is seen in public for the first time in london wearing a mask her and philip but by January, when things are reeling up again over the winter, they've got to go back to Windsor Castle, and they both have their first dose of the vaccine. We can't go on, though, without talking about Harry and Meghan. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> they met on a blind date in 2016, and it's incredible. She's this American actress that has a streak of feminism and humanitarianism. By their third date, they were in Botswana mm. on holiday. Everything is so fast. They're so in love. They're engaged within a year. They're married within Ugh. the next year. And I mean, their wedding is the most diverse in royal family history. There's a gospel choir. There's a black cellist. Her dad isn't allowed to come for some reason. She's not. Uh, yeah, because he's like the worst, apparently. Yes, he is. But like, also, she's not just a commoner. She's like a woman of color. Yeah, which is from ab- America, which is absurd. It is. This is absurd. So at first, it's all smiles and beautiful. And um, Harry's even like, I think Megan will be great at the job part of this. Because, I mean, when you think about it, like being from America, you have this different idea of what it means to be a royal. Yeah. And she's also a celebrity. So it's not that she doesn't it's get it. It's not that she doesn't get the limelight. But it's a different level of celebrity. It's be- n- you're yeah. godlike. You're divine, you're almost, right. and because it's scary. You're going from limelight to gold light. Yeah, it's unbelievably different. It is. And then she has her first baby, and like many women, begins to struggle with postpartum depression. And postpartum depression is not something that can be taken lightly, but then to literally layer one of the hardest jobs in the world that you aren't 100% prepared for after dating a guy for like a year and a half, you're falling apart. And um, Harry said his mental health also had to be gotten under control because from the time him and Megan started dating. Her house had been bombarded with media the entire time from 2016 on. And he said, when I looked at Megan, I kept seeing my mother and I just wanted to protect her from death. All he's thinking is they're going to kill my wife. These people will kill my wife. They'll kill her. 
Well, because your experience is what you know. And what he knows is when women are put in the, that sort of public light, they, they're fucking killed. And they fall apart. And it's not. He's, he's devastated. So now he's struggling with mental health. She's struggling with mental health. They're trying to raise a newborn baby. They're in one of the hardest, most public jobs in the world. And it's terrible. So they decide over Christmas, instead of spending it with the family, they're going to go to Canada and just spend it alone with their baby. And they take an extended trip. And there's a lot of racist things being thrown around in the British media with Harry speaks out about a lot. Um, Hillary Clinton even comes out and goes, Megan looks like she needs a fucking hug. Like, can somebody just hug this girl? Like I want to hug her. She's obviously dealing with postpartum depression. Um, but they decide as a couple and they announce that they're going to step back as senior members of the Royal family, which I think, People don't understand what that means. People think it means you're like splitting with your family. Like it's divorce. That's not true. You're stepping down from a job. Harry and Meghan yeah. step down from their job in the Royal family. Yeah. And they say, we're going to become financially independent. Like you're not paying well, us anymore. And I feel like that's why it was important to split this because like yeah. we talked about the, the fucking list and like yeah. they have to list Who's part of the family? Who are like part of the family that the government is financially supporting so they can be spokespeople of the government, of the country. And like, they're like, we're stepping down. We're stepping down. Don't pay us anymore. Exactly. Take us off the fucking list. Like, we don't want to be there anymore. And they even say, like, we're going to split our time between North America and Great Britain. We're going to teach our children to respect the, like, the royal tradition, but we don't want you to pay us to be spokespeople for the royal family. We're done. That's exactly right. We're done with that. Yeah. And the British family or the royal family, the the palace comes out with like some shit thing that's like, we'll take time to think about it. Yeah. Type <laughs> deal. Um, so on April 9th, 2021, after 73 years of marriage, Philip passes away. <sighs> making Elizabeth the first British monarch to reign as a widow since Queen Victoria, a widow or widower. She remarked that um, this left a huge void in her life, which I've only been married for 14 years, and that would devastate me. I can't imagine 73 years, especially with the pressure, because she's not a public person. Yeah. He was probably the only person she had to talk to, like, really. The only person I think is actually comparable is Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yes. Who, it's like, this is the person. Like, and I don't even know if she's really comparable because, like, you know, like, her husband is very private. Yeah. And, like, she's kind of public. He's, like, Prince Philip is kind of public. But, yeah. like, it's the person that has been through all of it with you. Right. And that's the thing I think that you have to think about is she wasn't the queen and married this guy. She married him and became the and queen. became the queen so he's been with her through literally all of it and i can't imagine losing that partner no as fucked up as that partner may be in any sort of way it's like but... at least you can speak openly to them about yeah. how you're feeling and yeah. it's like that's something you can't replace no so at present the queen's 
Platinum Jubilee is planned for 2022. Platinum. Platinum. And at that point, she will surpass Louis XIV of France as the longest reigning monarch of a sovereign state in verified world history. Hold on. Louis the Fourteenth. How long was he king? Longer than her. No way. I mean, the that's s- crazy. Louis the Sixteenth was beheaded, but his grandfather, or whatever, the Fourteenth was king for a long. That's time. bananas. I didn't realize that. I thought she had like way surpassed no, everybody. No, she surpassed everybody in Britain. Ooh, but this will be in the world. The world history, verified world history. If she makes it to next year, I have faith in her. I know. I think she can. Um. She tried over her life, although with mixed results, to make the monarchy less stuffy and less traditional. Um, And although Prince Charles has begun to take on a more active role, um, the queen says she does not intend to abdicate the throne. In 2018, the government did make an announcement that she would, when, when she passed, Charles would take over the role and um, she said that that's something she really wants. And the plans, like we said earlier, for her death have been planned since the 60s. It's called <laughs> Operation London Bridge. Oh, no. And it's coming down. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it plans her death and funeral. And that is the life of Queen Elizabeth II. Wow. So far in a fucking two hour and 40 minute episode on one. <laughs> <laughs> it's why we couldn't do it as half of an episode no you can't and it's also why we can't even do like adjust the two of us it's like what are we going to talk yeah. about she's just like and we can we can discuss yeah we can absolutely discuss but she's just an incredible person <sighs> so now it's a little segment that we like to call <laughs> just the one, one of us <laughs> just queen elizabeth uh only person still alive from her era i I mean, she really is like, and I hate to say it's like a relic from the past, like someone who, when you really lay it out, you're like, I can't believe you've gone through all that because I've been around since 1993 (laughs) and in 1993, the world was made for me. You know, I think about how like mcdonald's restaurants were designed for my enjoyment and that's just not the case anymore and (laughs) no i i just but like it's a different scenario like nothing was built for children when she was alive it was about people telling me that like my hair being parted to the side is old school and i'm like what should i do part it in the middle like a psycho (laughs) and that is like queen elizabeth like charles manson (laughs) he's my height (laughs) will it fit my profile i guess i will um no i just think you know i don't support everything she's done and everything she believes but like for somebody who has been in the public eye for so long it's unbelievable the way that she's transitioned yeah well and i think she's doing the best that she can with also having the limited access that she has. Like, I think that's why the Michael Fagan story is really important because it was someone that broke through someone who was like, Hey, I'm a normal fucking person. And like, I need you to listen to me right now because I'm not doing okay. And I almost feel like that was kind of how like princess Margaret was in my story of like, in the beginning, it's like Princess Margaret is like, I'm not the heir presumptive. 
I am so far down the line, it's not even funny. So I am a person who has to exist in this world as a relatively normal person. And I need you to be on my side. And it sucks because she couldn't be. She really couldn't be because she wanted to be. That was that lesson she was taught of like, you have to be neutral, not only in politics, but also kind of in your family life. And I think that was really hard for her. Well, of like, I love these people, but I have to make decisions against their best interests. It's also the difference between a constitutional monarchy, which is what she's a part of, and mm-hmm. an absolute monarchy. Yeah. When you're an absolute monarch, yeah. you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can give your friends and family whatever the fuck they want. You make all the decisions, but that's not who she was. When you say yeah. queen, you think they have absolute power, but they don't. And she didn't. No, and I think that's what you saw, like, I think it's what you saw during, like, the first part of the story where she's like, oh, I actually don't have as much influence as I thought. Like, she kind of felt like when she was young, she's like, oh, my words have power, but I don't have power. And that was totally executed throughout the rest of her reign of, like, I am influential, but I'm not powerful. Like, I'm influential, but I'm not like decisional right like i don't actually have any decisions to make i can try and help things but that's the best i can do that's and it. i'm also speaking for everyone so and it was also hard when she was faced the facts like when like 96 percent of the country was like yeah let margaret marry whoever she wants and she's she was like, like it's not my decision it's not my decision and like then it's like yeah like she kind of takes the brunt the the kind of force of the bad guy and she's like i also think it's a, a thing that she unfortunately had to take on for so many years of like why would harry and megan name their daughter lilibet if she was a bad if guy. she was really the ultimate bad guy she's just not I don't think she is. She come. I mean, I think she's a scapegoat. I think she's a person that people can lay the blame on. It's easy to get mad at the person in charge. It really is. But not at the system. Yeah. And, and also let's be clear. The system, as we just discussed, has been changing since she was 25 years old and she's in her nineties. Yeah. She's the like, system what is, do you want me to do? The system has been changing around her and, She's been trying to keep up and like, did she make correct decisions all the time? Like, no, but also like her decisions were limited. So let's be clear about that. So it's why I think it's so important that they did name their daughter Lilibet because it was kind of acknowledging like, I don't support Elizabeth. I support Lilibet the person. Like my actual grandmother. I support my grandmother who loves me and I support who she would have been if she wasn't in this horrible fucking position. I support Lilibet the person, not Elizabeth the monarch. Right. It's just too much. Mm. <sighs> I don't know. I like, to... I'm ready to toast. Yeah, as well as weird nights where, like, we don't really take that many notes because it was the one the person. It's the same person. There's no comparison. So. I, think it's a, I think it's a fine way to go. I think so, too. Um, Allie, who would you like to toast this evening? Um, I think I I want to toast tradition and yeah. women that make it happen. And, yeah. like, I think tradition comes about in, like, really interesting ways. And I think you mostly see it in um, households on holidays. Yeah. Women 
cook the same food. They make sure the same events happen. They plan to go to the Renaissance Festival. They plan to go to the state fair. Mm -hmm. They make sure that on everybody's birthday, you have a this candle. On everybody's something or the other, every time the tooth fairy comes, this happens. And it's such a female-centric thing to make tradition occur. So I just want to toast to women who are like, groundbreaking in their own families for making sure tradition still exists Ugh. so cheers to tradition. i love that what do you want to toast to slash four i'm going to toast to women who make it hard to imagine a world without them mm. i personally i can't imagine a world without me elizabeth and you (laughs) um but you know what i'm saying women who have been so present and so influential that like so (laughs) this week you know i mean fiance casey his family lost their family dog Mm -hmm. who was a dog that we always joked that would live forever and it's hard to imagine a world without that dog, Lucy. And she is the best dog and she was so wonderful. And I was thinking about Lucy as, and this is so dumb, but it was like Lucy as Queen Elizabeth as someone who always has been and always should be of like someone who seems so wonderful and so ethereal that like they're immortal. And in fact, the matter is like, Lucy's immortal. She passed away this week, which was so sad. And Queen Elizabeth is, I mean, she's so she's near the end. Yeah. And she's so near the end. And I just want to toast people who it feels not right for the world to exist without, even though, you know, it's inevitable. Yeah. So cheers. That's why we had to do it. Cause we're coming close. We're coming <laughs> we're close. We're cutting it close. Katie season 10. Well, and we even thought about doing this episode and just kind of banking it until yeah, she did and just pass. waiting. But, but the thing is, it's like you never know when it's going to come. May as well release it and release it again. Yeah, exactly. And then, I don't know, but I'm glad we did it because... It gives you a little bit more sympathy for her situation. Yeah. And that's what I've always found, like watching The Crown, even though it's fictionalized, yeah. I don't feel like she's a bad guy. I agree. I have sympathy for what she's going through. Yeah. Well, Um, and I kind of wonder if they're trying to take you further away from that sympathy as it goes on. Because it started with Claire Foy, who is this like, you know, she was in the girl with the dragon tattoo and whatnot. But like, I didn't really know who she was. And she's kind of like this like innocent looking young woman. And then it comes to Olivia Coleman, who is you respect her as an actress, but you're like. I still don't know 100% her, like, you know, uh, yeah. you're not as familiar with her as British audiences, uh-huh. but you're like, I respect you. And now it's Dolores Umbridge, <laughs> which I feel so bad that I don't know her name. Um, but it's, oh shit. I actually do know her name. It starts with an I. Fuck. Um, but no, she did. Imogen? No, <laughs> she, she did such a good job as Dolores Umbridge that you're supposed to hate her, That you're supposed to hate her. And I almost wonder if they wanted that energy coming in of like, look, because Diana's about to die. Diana's about to die. And like, you're you not going to yeah. love where things are going right now. Yeah. I don't know. So it'll be fun. It'll be uh, fun. what do you want to promo? Um, I'm going to promo an Olivia Coleman vehicle. <laughs> 
So I have a lot of other things to promo because it's been so long since we recorded. Seriously, seriously. I have a list. Um, but at first and foremost, I wanted to promo Broadchurch because it was a show that I heard a little bit about. It's a British crime drama. And it takes place in this little seaside town. And Olivia Coleman is a detective in it with another Doctor Who. What's his face? Which one? Don't know his name. He has dark hair. He was Barney in Crouch Jessica Jr. Jones. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> David Tennant. David Tennant. David Tennant. We were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Olivia Coleman and David Tennant, and it's so the first season is so good because it's like a murder mystery, mm. and you're like, oh, who fucking done it? And it was me. It was you. Um, and apparently, so and like season two is uh, it's the trial, which I didn't expect. Normally, crime shows kind of ignore the trial, <laughs> and it's just kind of like we got the bad guy. There I love we go. The trial. But now it's like, what actually happens when we put this to court? Right. And it's really interesting, but it makes me, it's really upsetting because it's like everything. So, and then apparently season three is really good. Mm. I haven't seen it yet, but Olivia Coleman is so good in it. My God. Just her, the the emotion on her face. It's so good. Like you're watching the whole time. You're like, I'm distracted by her acting because it's so phenomenal. Yo, her and Fleabag broke me. Yes, as the like stepmother. (laughs) She's such a good actress to play Queen Elizabeth, and then the stepmother. Uh, She's so wonderful. So go check out Broadchurch if you like a crime procedural, not a procedural, a crime drama. It's Mm. so good. So fun. Um, Allie, what are you enjoying in pop culture? So I read this book on the beach called The Midnight Librarian. (gasps) And it's the first time I've, so my friend Jesse, one of my BFFs, suggested it um, because I'm really into books right now that should be turned into movies. And she's dead yes. set that Emily Blunt should play the main character, my one of my besties. Oh, doesn't that feel so good when you can just picture her in the role? The then? whole time. Because my friend said that, now the whole time, all I'm picturing is Emily Blunt. I love Slash that. Mary Poppins. <laughs> and... Uh, it's such a good book. It's like kind of sad because I, and this is no spoilery, but like it's a woman who ends up like, she feels like she failed in all aspects of her life. And very early in the book, she decides to take her own life. (gasps) But then she's in this library, kind of like a purgatory and she gets to take books off the shelf. And each one is if she had made a different decision, (gasps) the life she would have been in. And it's just a really cool adventure through what it means to make decisions in your life, what it means to fall apart, what happens to the people around you if you make this decision that you didn't make. Like, what happened to your parents if you were like that? What happened to your best friend? What happened to the person you were supposed to marry if you had chosen this other path? And it is, it, it's so deep, but then also you get to the end and you feel so encouraged and refreshed of like, it's okay yeah um so i won't tell you the end because i can't because i would spoil it but it's so good and it's so like i was like my friend told me about it and i was like really a beach read i want to read about death and she was like no you absolutely want to read this book it's so good 
and it just makes you feel good by the end. So all right, well, I'm gonna go to Barnes and Noble this week. My God, I own like it. Do you want it? You can borrow my copy. No, I like to have my own I know copies because I it's like, like a trophy. It's a trophy. Okay, um, and it's hard when people steal your trophies. It's true. <laughs> so here we are. At the end. At the end of the first episode of season 10. Now, we know this was bold. Having one person as the opener. It needed to be done. It needed to be done. We're glad we did it. almost three hours into this right now. Let me tell you, um, it was such a fun episode to do. We weren't sure how it was going to turn out. I think it turned out fantastic. Um, I thought it sucked. But we're glad you were here for it. Next week, we'll be back with two ladies as our normal format. Of course. Find us everywhere. Please do. Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook. We're everywhere. All the places. And really. Rate and review us. Rate and review us on Apple We got a new rating this week. Super nice. Loved it. First August rating in a bit. So please just, you know, find us and love us and encourage us because sometimes it's hard and we love you. And we encourage you every day. So <laughs> we do actually. But most of all, we want you to never forget that well-behaved women don't turn their back on a noble. Ooh, they don't. And they rarely make history. Wallace Simpson, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Where's your history, girl? Where's your history, girl? Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye